The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's done. Newcastle have broken their club record fee for a player which had stood since Michael Owen arrived over 13 years ago. There he is. Miguel Almiron is a magpie, having signed a five-and-a-half-year deal from Atlanta United, the highest fee ever paid for a Major League Soccer player. Also confirmed today, but this one is just on loan with an option to buy, Arsenal have signed midfielder Denis Suarez from Barcelona until the end of the season. He won the Europa League in 2015 with Unai Emery, whilst on loan at Sevilla. Another main headline today is not a transfer, but it's excited the Manchester United fans as if it were. Anthony Martial has signed a new five-year deal to stay at Manchester United. The French forward has come alive again under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Old Trafford. There is one more hour left in the 2019 January transfer window. Welcome to Premier League Live on NBCSN. So the main action today, Miguel Almiron has moved from Atlanta United to Newcastle, $27 million. Denis Suarez, a chance to see him until the end of the season at least with an option to buy for the Gunners. Unai Emery knows him well. Peter Crouch turned 38 yesterday back in the big time. He's moved from where he spent seven and a half years with Stoke City to Burnley for an undisclosed fee. And Yuri Tillemans, acquired by Leicester in a loan swap. He is a Belgium international. He has swapped uh, with Adrian Silva uh, from Monaco. So those are some of the headlines for you. And the clubs, of course, have had 31 days to strengthen their squads. They now have less than 60 minutes to do business. We will be bringing you every piece of breaking news, plus reviewing all 20 Premier League clubs over the next three hours. The window itself shuts at 6pm Eastern. Let's bring in our Premier League insider, Neil Ashton, who is live with us, joining us from London. Neil, things are still happening. Is there anything else that I've missed out? Mm. Something's happened in the last few minutes, has it not? Yeah, it has. Yeah, this has come right out of the red and blue, Rebecca, I've got to say, because Crystal Palace, they're confident. They believe they're about to sign Michu Bashuai on loan from Chelsea until the end of the season. He's a player that Palace have had their eye on um, for the last six weeks or so. They believe they had a chance of signing him. He's been on loan from Chelsea, Borussia Dortmund last season. He's been on loan in La Liga with Valencia this season. It's not particularly worked out for him, and I'm told he was hanging on. He wanted to come back to the Premier League. He wanted to sign for Everton, but Everton haven't, been, haven't shown enough interest in making that happen. He's been offered around today, and Crystal Palace, they've wanted this player for a long time, and all of a sudden, in the last hour or so, Chelsea turned around to Palace and said, OK, it's on. You can sign Batshuayi. It's going to be a substantial loan for you. This is a player, don't forget, $43 million that Chelsea paid, um, Chelsea paid for him from Marseille a couple of years ago, back in 2016. Couldn't get into that Chelsea team because of Diego Costa. Frustration on the substitutes bench just didn't work out for him which is why he had those low moves but he's about to come back into the Premier League with Crystal Palace they need goals record they've only scored 24 in the Premier League so far he guarantees them they want him in their side for Saturday
penalty against Fulham. Interesting stuff. Neil Ashton, plenty more from Neil throughout the course of the programme. We'll be back and forth to London. Now, Carl Martino, Robbie L, Robbie Musto, of course, all on duty for this deadline day special. Before we talk Mishibachuayi, Fulham, I can just tell you, have just signed former West Ham player Havard Nortvite on loan from Hoffenheim. That one is also until the end of the season. Carl, let me start with you. Bakshuayi to Crystal mm. Palace. They desperately need a striker. Is he the one? Um, he's better than what they have, and, and I think it's a good signing. I really do. I mean, IU's been the one trying to give them that, that spirit, that drive, the goals in that position, and it was Will Zaha that was playing that nine role, and I like Wilf Wide, and I like Batshuayi up top. They, they sometimes can be a counterattacking team. He has pace. He has power. He, he's a good goal scorer, uh, and when given opportunities, much like when Lukaku was loaned out by Chelsea, other clubs lower down the table benefited a lot, and I think that Palace will benefit from getting Batshuayi. Is it a coup? I think so. I think it's, it's one of the, the best signings of today. I mean, he, I know he hasn't scored that many Premier League goals yet. He struggled at Chelsea, of course. But to come into Crystal Palace, he's got a feel he can score goals there. I think he'll score mm. goals there. Andros Townsend giving him service. Milivojevic giving him service. Wilf Zaha um, in a wide position again. I mean, he'll be hungry to, to show that he's good enough to be a Premier League player. And I think for Crystal Palace that are just four points above the relegation zone, it's almost like a little insurance policy to make sure we stay away. It's, it's been gold, it's been their issue for, forever, it seems. I think this is a really good signing. There were some reports, Robbie, around that he was asking, or his agent was yeah. asking, for around $200,000 a week. Mm. You have to believe Palace wouldn't be able to afford that, though, so they must have come to some financial yeah, agreement. Absolutely, and, and as the minutes were ticking on, I think both sides, Chelsea didn't want him, Crystal Palace did. There was talk, as you say, West Ham and Spurs wanted him. Eight goals he scored, Rebecca. That's, that's my only worry. And there's a list of, of Crystal Palace strikers. Sola, Benteke, Ayu, Wickham, who've gone into the football club and not scored goals. Now, this team is made to get goals for a centre-forward. If he can go there and hit the ground running, he takes Palace away from that relegation. But he, he doesn't score lots of goals. He does know how to score big goals. You may remember for Chelsea back in May 2017, it was his goal, Batshuayi's goal, mm. against West Brom at West Brom with eight minutes to go that clinched that title for Chelsea uh, and for Jose Mourinho, of mm. course, was it? Or was it Antonio Conte? No, I think it would have been Antonio, Antonio Conte, Conte. Yeah. Uh, back in mm. 2017. OK, Miguel Al on the other one of the other big names yep. today to sign mm. from Atlanta United for 27 million dollars to Newcastle United. How excited should those northeasters be? And you know what it <laughs> yeah. takes to be excited in the northeast. Uh, they should be really excited. And the, and the good thing is about that football club, they'll be patient. They've had star players before. They don't often get the top, top, top guys because it's up in the northeast. And Newcastle United haven't been that relevant as a top, top team for a long time. Um, I think it's a really good signing. I think what they need right now in terms of how they play is somebody that can carry the ball. We all know he's a dribbler. He's got great vision, awareness. He can slide passes in. He's a, he's a humble, honest, hardworking player. It's just you worry, as, as all players, by the way, of, of a technical kind of type coming into the Premier League, is the, the intensity. I know the, I know the MLS is, is physical league. But this is physical plus speed. It's the speed of the game. That's what you have to deal with in the Premier League. And, of course, the, the amount of games and the week-in, week-out expectation of delivering performances. Well, Carl, that's why it's quite interesting to ask you, having mm. played in Major League Soccer and watched probably more Premier League football than most other people ever, <laughs> how do you think he'll be able to adapt to that speed of play change? Well, one challenge is he's, he's in his off-season. So one challenge is getting up to speed, literally. I mean, going from uh, training on his own and finding clubs that he can stay fit and now jumping into a situation where he's going to be expected to start right away. Um, from what I know, and, and I've asked some players that have played with him, I've asked uh, people who have been covering him, they've said that there's a player that works really hard. I mean, off the ball, this is a talented player with his left foot that can take you on, that can pick a pass, he can help you transition. Um, 
but he also does the defensive side of things, and that's what Benitez will love. He went to Atlanta because of Tata Martino, and being Paraguayan, he loved the man. He learned so much under him. You'd think that Benitez picked up the phone and, and called Tata Martino. I, I would imagine that relationship is there where he could say, what am I getting? And that's so beneficial because they're getting a star player that I think is better than Murphy. He's got some Jose Perez qualities about him, and I think he plugs right into the team. Well, there are reports that Murphy's out the door, possibly because mm -hmm. of the arrival of Almiron. Denis Suarez, only yeah. on loan from Barcelona, mm -hmm. hasn't played too much for Barcelona. Yeah. Is he a game-changer kind of player? What kind of player is Suarez? He's a complete footballer, Rebecca. He's an Arsenal-type player. It's interesting that I'm thinking with Ozil and Mkhitaryan, where does that all fit in a midfield? You can't have too many of those what we call luxury players. But a, a sort of reject from Barcelona is a good pickup for everybody else. And he can go and he can play either side. He can play in the 10. He's got good dribbling ability, very creative and intelligent. The Arsenal fans will, will like him and, and enjoy him. It's just how he fits into the team. But what's good, it's six months to the summer with an option to buy, so it's good on both sides. Arsenal can have a look at him, and he can have a look at Arsenal. Indeed, the countdown is on. 6 p.m. Eastern is when the January transfer window comes to an end. Stay with us. We have plenty more to come today. We go on until 8 Eastern. Then the actual football is back for you this coming Saturday. 7 o'clock, join us ahead of Tottenham against Newcastle. A first chance, surely, to see Miguel Almiron play for the Magpies at Wembley. Chelsea, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Bournemouth is the third game with goals on at half past two. Sunday is a super day of football. Leicester against Manchester United. Our coverage begins at 8 Eastern and it's followed by quite some matchup. Manchester City taking on Arsenal. The football doesn't stop though on Sunday. We're back on Monday and on Wednesday of next week. It's West Ham Liverpool in the afternoon to Eastern on Monday. The men and Blazers at half past five with Wednesday afternoon football. A rearranged game. Something to add onto your calendar. Our coverage begins at 2.30 for Everton against Manchester City. Now as I say we will be covering every single club over the show but next up there's trouble at Chelsea, Sarri is struggling and the latest is Crystal Palace's best player is hit with an FA charge. More on that next. Is it going to be a situation, Rob, where this is going to blow up? There's a problem at this football club. Yep. And is Mauricio Sarri bringing it to attention? It was embarrassing. It was unacceptable. And it was a slight on the professionalism of a talented group of players. Well, don't forget, you can get the guys' thoughts on football's biggest stories and their strong thoughts as well as you heard there throughout the week on their podcast. You can listen to those anytime, anywhere on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. And just then you heard the two Robbies talking about Chelsea and talking about the result yesterday in the Premier League when Chelsea went to Bournemouth at Vitality Stadium and were hammered, quite frankly, by four goals to nil. The goal started in the 47th minute. There was not much to talk about in the first half. Josh King made it 1-0 without Callum Wilson on the pitch because of the injury that he's got. The responsibility for goals fell to Josh King and then this youngster who plays just off him. What a player he's been this season. David Brooks making it two. He was man of the match in this one. 3-0 on 74 as Bournemouth continued to carve through this Chelsea defence. David Luiz had a shocking day. Josh King with his second and Bournemouth's third. And then it, into stoppage time, Charlie Daniels even got in on the act. 95th minute, it was 4-0. Afterwards, for 50 minutes, Sari kept the Chelsea players in the dressing room without his staff. Then he came out and said this. I'm sure you've been in the dressing room for a long, long time now after the game. Are you very angry? Are you frustrated? How do you feel? No, I think that I am not angry. I am frustrated, of course, because uh, at the end of the first half, it was impossible to think that uh, the 
second half was uh, was a disaster. So um, I wanted only to 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 understand why. And it's very difficult to understand why. Uh, it's my fault, of course, because. I am not able to motivate uh, these uh, these uh, these players, but uh, it's very difficult, and uh, I wanted to understand why. I saw the game at Wolverhampton Wanderers. For me, it was similar in that you created a lot of chances in the first half, but then things ba- went badly for you in the in the second half. Why, why is this happening? Can you understand? Oh, it's very difficult to say because I think uh, that in the first half we played better than uh, in Wolverhampton. Uh, so it's impossible. Uh, we, we considered the goal after two minutes in the second half. May, maybe uh, mental was uh, difficult for the players uh, to accept it, but we had to play for 45 minutes, uh, and so we needed uh, to to continue to 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 play like a team but in the second half we we didn't play like a team as a team uh, i want to understand why because uh, sometimes uh, uh, especially two months ago when we had to face uh, difficulties uh, we we lost identity and we played uh, as 11 individual players. Then, one month ago, the situation was uh, apparently solved. But uh, in this match, it uh, was, uh, was the same situation. So, so it's very difficult for me to understand why. But uh, we, need, uh, we need to change uh, something in, in, in the mentality because uh, you can concede a goal, but uh, you you need uh, to to play because the, the the match was under control in the first half, and so I cannot understand why. I feel a story is developing. Who better but our Premier League insider? He's the insider for a reason. <laughs> Neil Ashton, live from London. What was going on inside that dressing room? As I said before, we heard from Sari. He told, didn't he, all of his backroom staff to leave the room, and he spoke to his players. What do you know? Yeah, devil's always in the detail, isn't it, Rebecca? So that 40, 50 minutes that Sarri spent with his players last night at Bournemouth, it was all about the performance. It was all about Sarri ball, how he wanted to play, how, where his players were expected to be on the field, that he's training them, he's coaching them, he's got method, and he wants that message to get through. I'm told that Chelsea's players are very, very quiet, almost silent here, that this was all Sarri talking, to making, making demands of those players and asking them why they're not carrying out his instructions and why they can't follow them through. Now, I would say the club here, they know that Sarri's done well to get his team to the Carabao Cup final. His first season in charge, of course, within five months of taking over at Chelsea, succeeding Antonio Conte, he's got his team to a Wembley Cup final to play Manchester City. On the other hand, though, we know that uh, English isn't his first language. We know that he's Italian, of course, but this is the second time now that he's talked about being unable to motivate his players in post-match press conferences. Of course, he said that a couple of weeks ago in the defeat against Arsenal. He said it again in the defeat against Bournemouth this frustration, the 4-0, the manner of the performance, it's unacceptable and everybody at Chelsea knows that there's a lot of damage has been done with the manner of that second half capitulation last night against Bournemouth at the Vitality Stadium. I'd say, judging by the mood today Rebecca, that undoubtedly he's got to put this right and very, very quickly it's unthinkable that this team doesn't get a result though at home to Huddersfield against Stamford Bridge, at home to Huddersfield at Stamford Bridge because if they don't 
then this really is a crisis for Maurizio Sarri. Neil, just quickly, we've seen managers at Chelsea fired yeah. for less than this. They've been, actually been fired for winning <laughs> titles. Is his job on the line? I would say, judging by the mood there today, without a doubt, there's huge concern here. Look, they backed him with Gonzalo Higuain. They brought this striker in from Juventus, the guy who scored all those goals for him when he was the manager of Napoli. Jorginho, the signing of the summer. He wanted to bring him in. They backed their man, undoubted. There's no question about that. But Higuain has got to work. And you watch him for 65 minutes last night. This guy isn't ready to play in the Premier League. He's not match fit, he's not match sharp, and he's not ready to score the goals that are going to take Chelsea to the top of the table. That He's just not in that kind of condition at the moment. But that signing was designed to back Maurizio Sarri and send a message to that Chelsea dressing room that he's around, He signed that contract for the long term, and he's going to be there. If they don't get results and the performances continue to decline, he won't be there in the summer, Rebecca, no. OK, thanks, Neil. More from the National a little bit later, and we'll also continue talking about Gonzalo Higuain later on in our show as well. Robbie Musto, after the Arsenal game, when Chelsea lost to them a couple of weeks ago, you said that when Sarri came with his outspoken words, you said it's either foolish or it's brave. He's done it again now. Is he foolish or is he brave? Brave. Absolutely brave. There's something that's going on with the squad of players. We've seen it with previous managers. What's different with Sarri is that he's telling everybody, I love it. I love it. We're getting a, a window into what's going on. And he's, he, he's, he's risking everything, of course, by saying, I can't motivate them. But why would he say that, Rebecca, if there wasn't something in it? Now, of course, everything else, style of play, you know, and all the other criticisms, I get that. But this isn't all about him having a nightmare. This is about maybe a 50-50 blame of what's going on at Chelsea. But they're still, in, they're still in the FA Cup. They're in the League Cup final. They're in the knockout stage of the Europa League. He's, ch he's changed the style of play from a counter-attacking style that's been around for a very long time. And, you know, other managers got time and got patience and proved their methods. Pep Guardiola in the first season, of course. Jurgen Klopp's had time. So I'm not saying that he's going to be a brilliant manager for Chelsea. But give him some time. And respect that he's been honest... With everything that he's seen in that football club. The honesty's been great, but you'd say with Klopp and Pep, they didn't call the players out in the same way, Rebecca. And, and what we saw yesterday at, at Bournemouth was a white flag from the Chelsea team. That, that's not good enough. And I get the sense, and I agree with Robbie, this group's gone as far as it can. You cannot win a title with this group of players because you don't know what you're going to get week in, week out. Neil's talked about Huddersfield. Who knows what you're going to get? I'm in the position where... If we were in that dressing room, if you had a camera in that dressing room when he was talking, all the heads would have been down, everybody had been looking at each other, everybody had been saying, really talking to me. What you should have seen in that dressing room was the manager to the side and the players having a go at themselves and the players demanding more from themselves if they believe they're good enough and they want to work and be motivated. But if they don't, he can say whatever he wants and he can come out in every press conference and tell us about the N-word, the motivation. He's not going to get it. What do you think he is trying to do, sorry? Do you think purely by saying, I can't motivate them, that he will motivate them? Because it's not working. Well, I think it's brave and foolish. I think it's brave because he said something that's probably going to cost him his job. It's going to cost him his job because it costs every Chelsea manager their job when the team underperforms. And so there is a cultural issue here. The, 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 the culture is broken. Now, I agree. A manager shouldn't have to clear everyone out and have that conversation because mm. before he even got in there, mm. the players would have done it already. And teams mm. I, I've played in, yeah. if we played like that, we'd have someone stand up and say, hold on, don't come in here yet. I'm going to rip into everyone. Mm. And so that's an issue. But Antonio Conte had a similar team and went on to win. So the problem is it's brave because he said every manager has a problem with this group. 
no one else complained like he's complaining. Then it moves on to there are some tactical issues that he's culpable for. So some of the lack of motivation is on the players. Some of the second-half performances that aren't better are on him for not tactically figuring things out. It's fascinating. We'll keep an eye on what happens at Chelsea. Another storyline to come out of yesterday's games in the Premier League concerned the sending off of Wilfred Zaha, the Crystal Palace player. They were taking on Southampton after a challenge from James Ward-Prowse. Zaha took exception to the way Prowse behaved here. He got a yellow card for that. He then, when he went over to the referee, Andre Mariner, to receive his yellow card, he applauded the referee, which then earned him, within seconds, another yellow card and a red card. Unfortunately for Zaha, he did not leave quietly. And it is for this reaction as he left the field at St Mary's. And by the way, the game finished 1-1. And by the way, Zaha had opened the scoring for Palace with his first goal since September that the FA are now taking another look. Before we hear from the FA, before we heard from the FA, last night, Wilfred Zahar put this out on Twitter. All I can do, he said, is apologise to the team and the fans for my red card tonight because I could have cost us today. I will learn from it for sure. The FA may make him learn from it because their statement today, he has been charged following the game against Southampton. It's alleged his behaviour following a second-half dismissal amounts to improper conduct. The player has until 6 o'clock on the 5th of February, 20. 19 to respond to the charge. Let's take you back to a man who's very close to Crystal Palace, the club, near Lashton in London. Wilfred Zahar, I mentioned there, it was his first goal since September. He's not really been at it on the pitch. He looked there, Neil, like the red mist descended, and he has looked frustrated for months. Can you tell us any more about the Wilfred Zahar situation? Yeah, I think we have to go right back to his last goal in the Premier League, which was the Huddersfield game, which you mentioned, Rebecca, back in September. And remember that after that post-match interview, very emotional, very passionate. That's when he said, what do I have to do here? Someone's going to, someone needs to be sent off. Why, isn't, why aren't players being sent off? He's getting fouled. He's, getting, he's the most fouled player in the Premier League. He doesn't feel he's getting the protection he deserves. And I think that's one of the reasons that we haven't seen the best of Zaha ever since. Last weekend against Tottenham in the FA Cup at Sellers Park, I saw that game. More frustration from Zaha. There was a point when the game was going on around him that he was still on the floor, complaining to the referee, remonstrating, demanding fouls, demanding protection, and he wanted players booked. And I think that manifested itself in that game at Southampton on Wednesday night, Rebecca, the more rough treatment. Everybody knows if you target Wilfred Zaha, if you get into him, get stuck into him, he doesn't like it, he wants protection, he's flailing his arms up everywhere, he's demanding yellow cards, he's demanding free kicks, and it's affecting his game, undoubtedly. He hasn't played well for months. I know that he did well against Liverpool a couple of weeks ago in Palace's 4-3 defeat, but we haven't seen the best of Wilfred Zaha, the Zaha that, that convinced Crystal Palace to give him a massive new contract at the start of the season. What I'd say, though, today, complete surprise Rebecca, that a player who's going to be suspended this weekend for the Palace's home game against Fulham, that all of a sudden this afternoon the FA decided, actually not only did you get a one-game ban for that, there could be more on the way because of the improper conduct charge for sarcastically applauding the referee Andre Mariner for that first booking when he got involved with James Ward-Prowse and of course his subsequent dismissal. So more trouble on the way for Wilfred Zaha. Neil, thank you. More from Neil a little bit later on. There is something at the moment not quite right with Wilfred Zaha, Carl. He is Palace's best and most special player emotionally he can't seem to control it this season and and neil said it i think it goes back to that comment of i'm not being protected and, and even his manager roy hartson got in there and, and sort of echoed it and i just thought that was a mistake because if you're being targeted ed nazard's targeted you know mm. messi's targeted it, it's almost a badge of honor that people think you're so talented they've got to come after you and showing that it that it, that it upsets you 
means people are going to continue to target you because they have something. And that moment, I don't know what you guys think, and it's hard to know what's going on in his life off the field or on the field, but that moment was not something that should have triggered the reaction from him. Absolutely. He's not a kid anymore, Rebecca. Good players get targeted. That's what happens. Bobby Musto never got targeted. No. People just say, let Musto <laughs> He did the, the targeting. Ball. Free as bird. <laughs> but when, really? when, you, when you're Wilfred Zaha and you get on the ball and you're Palace's best player, then you've got to take that and go on and be responsible. And that's what gets you the move. There's also been two moves that have been talked about. One to China mm. for the kind of money that sets him up for life. And there was rumours that he was interested. There's talk about Dortmund recently, that they were interested in him. I just wonder if some of that's getting to his head as well. And he's, is he at the age, is he at the stage of his career where he's thinking, I don't want to be in relegation fights, I want to be somewhere else. Does the responsibility, Robbie, now fall on the shoulders of either Roy Hodgson or Steve Parrish to have a word with him and tell him to forget all that and get a grip. Yeah, Roy Hodgson, particularly, has got to speak to him and try and make that a better part of his makeup. You talked about Ed Nazard. I, I've never seen a player with a, with a better mentality of getting kicked every few minutes. I mean, he just gets up and gets on with it. Now, everybody's different, and to be fair, I didn't have his skill, but I had a tough mentality, and I, and I could control my emotions. Emotional control is such a huge part of being a footballer, and with everything that he's got, that isn't great. We, we've talked about the earlier with the challenges and stuff. So it's something that, you know, in his tweet, he says he's going to try and learn from Can he learn? That's is that great. something you well, can, can learn? Yeah, he can. He can, he can work at being better. But you're right <laughs> with your question. Roy Hodgson's job now is to sit him down and say, mm. you're such a great player, just try and let things drift over you because you, you, you're not wasting your talent, but you could be such a better player. OK, we've covered some of the big stories from the Premier League today. I can tell you there are no more transfer uh, news out yet for this last hour, but I'll get to them if we get any. Top half of the table, let's remind ourselves, how are things looking? Liverpool lead, five points clear of City. Then it's Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United, Wolves, what a season they're having. Everton, Watford and Bournemouth, not bad from them either. Bottom half looks like this. That's Crystal Palace, what we were just talking about, sitting there in 15th, four points clear of the bottom three. Leicester are in 11th. There is a big gap between the likes of Leicester and West Ham and then the rest. There's a five-point gap between Leicester and Brighton. Uh, Leicester and Brighton. Um, Cardiff, Fulham and Huddersfield are in the bottom three where they have been for quite some time. Now we will start our whip around of all 20 Premier League clubs after the break. Starting with the club has done rather well in recent transfer windows. League leaders Liverpool will kick us off next as we continue to bring any breaking news to you. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app and play Premier League Pick'em for free. It's great fun and you can win $5,000 in prizes each week and, of course, a $50,000 grand prize for a perfect score. Here are the five games you will have to predict for our next contest, which starts on Saturday. We're looking for the exact outcome to have a chance at that $50,000 uh, jackpot. Chelsea-Huddersville, which is a Saturday 10 Eastern game. It's the third window for Cardiff-Bournemouth. That's also Saturday. 9.05 a.m., Leicester against Manchester United is the third game we want you to predict. The fourth is City Arsenal. What a cracker that will be. And then it's Monday afternoon football, which makes up the five West Ham against Liverpool. Download that NBC Sports Predictor app right now and play on Saturday. 
Right, if you're just joining us, if you're just getting in from work, some deadline day news and notes for you. Newcastle United fans can be delighted with their record signing. $27 million Miguel Almiron from Atlanta United was confirmed today, as was on loan with an option to buy Denis Suarez from Barcelona to Arsenal. Peter Crouch, 38 years young, is back in the Premier League from Stoke to Burnley to try and help Sean Dyche's team score goals. And Yuri Tillemans, the Belgian midfielder, has uh, been involved in a loan swap. Adrian Silva's gone the other way to Monaco. And by the way, Michi Bakshuayi, we're waiting for more news. Neil Ashenar insider might have it for us in just a second. Apparently, he's on his way to Crystal Palace. More on that in just a second. We're going to start, though, our whip around all 20 clubs with the league leaders, Liverpool. Notable transfers this window. Nothing in, just two out. Dominic Solanke, who is on the bench at the moment for Bournemouth. He was on the bench yesterday, up to £31.5 million. They got for him and Nathaniel Klein has been loaned to Vitality Stadium. But in terms of the notable signings under Jurgen Klopp, it has very much been a steady approach. Relatively slow and steady, actually, under Jurgen Klopp and John Henry. Uh, from 2016 to 2018, they have brought lots of players in for lots of money. But none of them have been rushed, none of them have been, it seems, panicked. And most of them, in fact, I would say all of them, have contributed well to that Liverpool first team. So let's go back to Neil Ashton, shall we? And just touch on Liverpool. Pretty happy with his squad then, Jurgen Klopp, in your opinion. Neil, from what you know, didn't fancy dipping his toe into the transfer market. No, of course, the money's there, the financial resources and the support for Jurgen Klopp if he wanted to bring players in. But I'm told we have to go back sort of 23 years, back to Newcastle United. Remember, famously bringing in Faustino Aspria from Palmer. He was supposed to be the final piece in Newcastle's jigsaw, the man who was going to take them to the Premier League title. They were just ahead of Manchester United at the time. They signed him, they believed they'd go on to win it. And then, of course, we know that Newcastle crumbled. They lost the momentum, they lost the rhythm of the season, and then they lost the title to Manchester United. And Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, the manager there, did not want to disrupt the rhythm of the team. That everything's along, everything is ticking along so nicely at the top of the Premier League that he just didn't want to bring anyone in who could destabilise the current mood in that squad. Of course, the injury to Jayden Lovren, bit of a problem because of that FA Cup tie when they lost at Wolves. He's out of the side. They could have easily decided to bring someone in. But he likes the way that Liverpool are playing at the moment. They ignore the fact that they drew last night against Leicester. Of course, they've been on a huge winning run, a huge sequence of results. That's why they're top of the Premier League. I think perhaps a little bit of um, reluctance, frustration perhaps that they allowed Nathaniel Klein to go, but they're honourable. They allowed him to leave on loan to Bournemouth. They said that he could go. They, of course, they had problems with injuries, but they'd said to Nathaniel Klein that he could leave on loan until the end of the season and they honourably allowed him to move to the south coast. But Jurgen Klopp, I think, very, very happy with his squad, particularly where they are in the table, Rebecca. Neil, let's just touch again on Mishi Bakshiwai. You brought us that story mm. not long ago about Crystal Palace in for the Chelsea striker. What's the latest? Yeah, moving fast, this one, actually, because Palace have applied to the Premier League. It's been granted to have an extra hour to sign the deal sheet to sign Michu Batshuayi on loan from Chelsea until the end of the season. The problem, the delicate issue here, of course, Batshuayi on loan, in, on loan at Valencia. Well, he's in another country. He's in Spain. Palace need to get him to England. That won't happen realistically until tomorrow. But, of course, negotiations taking place between Palace, Chelsea and his loan club, Valencia, at the moment. Batshuayi... Currently in Spain, I'm pretty sure he'll be in London to see his teammates for the first time tomorrow as a Crystal Palace footballer. OK, Palace fans, no doubt, delighted to get a striker through the door. Thanks to Neil, back with him shortly. So, Liverpool, Robin Must, I'll start with you. Talked about this steady recruitment that they've had over the last few years. Is that why they are now where they are? Yeah, absolutely is. I mean, the, the football's improved, but 
they've built kind of from front to back on that list. You know, ended up the goalkeeper, Van Dijk, of course, coming in as well. Um, so that's been impressive. Just want to go back. Nathaniel Klein, it still doesn't bother me, but with Joe Gomez injured, and I know Trent Alexander-Arnold was injured just after he left, mm -hmm. why let him go? Mm. You know, you're on for a special season. We've seen James Milner play it right back against Palace and have a bit of a nightmare against Zaha. Uh, Jordan Henderson played right back and was good going forward, but struggled defensively. I just was surprised that they allowed him to go, given the other defenders that were injured. Other than that, I mean, it's been beautifully crafted, this team. Steady improvement all the way along through now when they're looking like a, a championship side. Carl, it's interesting <clears throat> what, what Neil there said about the dynamic and Klopp not wanting to break it, change it, alter what is going so well right now. That's the balance he's got. He might have been tempted to bring somebody in, but then the risk might have outweighed the reward. Yeah, because the slow build sometimes is a manager not being backed. Um, go back to the beginning of that. He wasn't asking for players. If, if you remember at the beginning when they were having defensive issues and all these problems, you never once heard Jurgen Klopp said, we need to go by. It was only after he had the proof of, of, of the project and they built. And listen... There's risk in some of their, their buys, not in the money they spent, but Robertson. To think he was ready to perform at the level he performed at when he came in and still performs at. Um, Wijnaldum, typically teams fighting for titles don't go and poach from teams that just got relegated. Uh, and, and Shakiri, a player that everyone thinks has a problem. And even Van Dyke, January is not when you buy big players. Defenders typically don't get that much money. And also, he was a problem, so to speak, and he wasn't playing for the team and he was playing with the reserves at Southampton. All of that worked out based on great recruitment, and he asked for great recruitment at the beginning. Remember, Brendan Rodgers had the committee that sort of undid him, and this has been a way of how to run a club, and that's why they're in their position. And Jurgen Klopp, I mean, I know you were talking about the fullback situation, but yeah. on the whole, he doesn't need anybody, so why rock the boat? Absolutely. I, I have to agree with Robbie Muster, though. The Nathaniel Klein thing bothers me a little bit. If you need him for two minutes... In a game to win a towel. When you when you win in a towel, if Nathaniel Klein's so desperate to leave, is one of those guys you think might not be good around. But if he's that, if he's a, you hear he's a good lad in the dressing room, everything's going fine. You just don't know when you need him. But that apart, Rebecca, it's been perfect. And we have to point to the last two signings: Virgil Van Dijk. Everyone's talking about the, the money and the goalkeeper. Allison has come in there, and the problem that they've had has been solved. And that's why, with 14 games to go. They're a five-point gap, and at the end of May, middle of May, we should see some red ribbons on the Premier League title for the first time. OK, I just want to tell everybody at home, oftentimes a deal gets announced after the deadline. You heard Neil there talking about Batshuayi. If you wondered why that might happen, well, this is why. If a club is working late on a deal, as Neil says Palace and Chelsea are, they can submit this that you're looking at here, a deal sheet to the Premier League to buy them more time to submit the necessary paperwork. The deal sheet needs to arrive fully completed before the transfer window closes at 6 Eastern in 20 minutes. Once it arrives, clubs have got until 8 Eastern to submit the full paperwork. And by the way, both clubs have to sign this deal sheet. So that, it seems, is what is happening right now with regards to Michi Bakshuayi. Let's move on, shall we, to the team in second spot. They also have not done any business in terms of bringing players in. Manchester City have said goodbye to Brahim Diaz to Real Madrid for up to $28 million amongst others. And in terms in terms of what Pep Guardiola has done since he came in, he too has spent a lot of money, a lot of money. Almost $670 million has been spent on a number of world-class players. Therefore, as we take you back to Neil, Pep Guardiola isn't really in a position in this January transfer window to ask for more players. <laughs> and often there isn't any 
negativity, is there, that comes out of a club like Manchester City, Neil? But you feel there just might be a rumbling or two you want to share with us? Yeah, I think just a hint of that, because I was at St James's Park on Tuesday night to see their defeat against Newcastle, a completely unexpected defeat. I think you just have to look at the body language and the tone, the relationship between Kevin De Bruyne and Pep Guardiola, substituted, De Bruyne substituted after 65 minutes of that game. Of course, City was still in a healthy position at that particular moment, but De Bruyne hugely frustrated, having come back from injury. He feels, of course, one of the best players in a City shirt last season when they won the Premier League title, but he hasn't recaptured the form that took them to the title and Guardiola making those demands from not only on the pitch but also on the training ground saying what's happened to my Kevin De Bruyne the player who illuminated the Premier League last season who took on all comers could do anything the magic in his boots made things happen was the heir to David Silver's throne well what's happened to Kevin De Bruyne substituted a couple of weeks ago of course in that game against Burton the Carabao Cup semi-final we knew he was frustrated then in the first leg but look at his body language against Newcastle there's frustration here and you look think about it eight games in a row that Manchester City had won and then all of a sudden they lose at Newcastle and just one or two murmurings, one or two hints of discontent in that Manchester City dressing room. They need to get back to winning ways if they're going to win the title, Rebecca. That, that is interesting, Neil. Like I say, rarely do you hear anything negative coming out of a Pep Guardiola dressing room. Back with Neil a little bit later on. City could do with Kevin De Bruyne hitting the heights of last season, couldn't they? Because what a run they've got in a number of competitions. The Champions League, the FA Cup, the League Cup and the Premier League. These are their next eight fixtures until March the 2nd. They are going to be super, super busy. Um, what do you make, Kyle, of that rumbling of Kevin De Bruyne and Pep Guardiola that things may be, compared to last season, nowhere near as happy? It's just, I think we see in teams struggling to repeat. In the Premier League, it's something that's very difficult to do. In world football, it's difficult to do, but there are dominant clubs that tend to win title after title. And it's it's hard because every game's competitive. And what they're trying to do, the perfection they're after, it's so fleeting. And, and they, they delivered it so consistently last year. It must feel almost depressing to, to, to feel the way they're, feel, they're, they're playing this season. And, and also injuries and disruptions that weren't there last year are unsettling them in ways that they didn't. Do you think still that mm. City are going to win this league? I know you did at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Do you still think they will? No, I think Liverpool will, will do it at the back. And is and that because of Liverpool, Robbie, or is that because of this City team, as Kyle says, struggling to repeat and be who they were? It's a little bit of both. Uh, when I look at City, four defeats this, this season already, only two when they won it last year. Just something happens in the second season, Rebecca. And I don't know, and we're talking about top, top-class players. But when that little bit of hunger, that bit of, of driving for something that you've not won before, which they had last season, which is just sometimes missing on the odd day here, that's the difference. And Kevin De Bruyne is one of those who's come back. He's had injuries. I think he's a little bit frustrated in himself because he's not quite on his game and he's such a, a top player, such a perfect player that I think that upsets him. He maybe, you know, has gone a little bit ratty with his manager and why Neil's talking about the way he is. They're five points behind Liverpool. Yeah. They spent a lot of money. They have a lot of money. Should they have bought another player? I don't think Try so. and overtake them? Well, it's tough to get a player to make them better in January. It just is, wherever you look around Europe. So I didn't expect anybody to come in like that. It's just, I was just surprised how bad they were against Newcastle. And, you know, a lot of their best players are out there. I wrote down a list just watching the game of who, who was poor. Mm. And it was Fernandinho, it was Sane, it was De Bruyne, it was David Silva, it was players, it was Laporte. Players that have been so good. 
Now, Pep might write it off as a, a really bad day at the office because, to be fair, before that, they rebounded well from, a, from disappointment and won a lot of games. I just, back to Rob's point, I just wonder, Rebecca, if you know, that, that, that desire to be spectacular in the Premier League last year isn't quite there and they might focus on, on the, the Champions, Champions League, League, which is upcoming, to be, to be their main focus. They don't quite look so driven. Mm. They certainly weren't driven against Newcastle for scoring mm. a second goal. Well, this is what's really interesting about trying to repeat a title. Yeah. We've seen yeah. Arsenal teams, Chelsea teams, Manchester United teams have the ability and the desire, that yeah. Robbie calls it, mm. to go again the next season and retain the title. What would those players have, or those managers, yeah. that these players and this manager don't? It's a very good question. And, and what, they might, what it might be, Rebecca, and, and I don't want to go to that, is... They might not have the, the rewards that the players have got here. The newer player is... An average player in the Premier League earns £150,000 a week. Maybe that drive, that desire, that will. You play a game of tiddlywinks with Lee Dixon, he'll break your fingers before he let you win. That's what's in him, and that's why those kind of teams are champions. I'm not sure if, if that's in the, in the comp, modern player. I'm not sure if maybe that's the way modern players are built. Maybe that's why it's been a decade since mm. we've actually seen a team retain the Premier League title. Now, go online, subscribe to the NBC Sports YouTube channel to get the latest episodes from both of our original series, The Lowdown and Inside the Mind. And we've got so many fantastic episodes of the latter coming up. Lee Dixon, uh, sit down with Paul Pogba is coming out on Saturday. Arla White's going to talk to Kevin De Bruyne tomorrow. And we'll also have an Eric Dyer interview in the near future as well. And talking of Tottenham, another quiet window, it seems, for Spurs. No word of Daniel Levy's checkbook getting any action. He's not given his manager any more players to work with. We'll discuss that. There is much to discuss. Next. with you on our deadline day special and it is time to talk Tottenham again no players in they have nine and a half minutes to get a player in out have gone today George Kevin and Kudu to Monaco on loan and two other players including Musa Dembele as well Josh Onoma has gone on loan to Sheffield Wednesday and a little bit earlier our colleagues over in Sky Sports Hayley McQueen Alan Smith Sam Allardyce and Jim White had this chat about the Tottenham transfer approach Alan Smith, what do you make of this? Tottenham have just become the first Premier League club in history who haven't signed anyone in back-to-back -back transfer windows. Mm -hmm. Should they worry? They've got 54 points, as Sam was saying. Yeah, I mean, they're two points off Manchester City, who are seen as title challengers, seen as one of the best teams in, in Europe. Um, look set for another top-four finish, probably third. Um, the, the one area of the pitch with Harry Kane injured is can we get a replacement in? They tried it with Vincent Janssen, that didn't work. Llorente's come into it. Spurs fans have been on his back, but he's produced a couple of goals uh, recently. Some important strikes as well. It's difficult. You look at other areas of the pitch and they've pretty much got cover in most positions. So um, they're not spending money for the sake of it. Uh, and it's their best ever Premier League start. I've never had this many points at this stage before. So there's not a whole lot wrong. You can't find a frontman, Alan, in, in the Premier League, in the world of football, for Tottenham to bring in. Where can you find a frontman? I mean, Chelsea bring 
bring in a lone striker, Iguain, who's 32, and you, you don't know whether he'd work at this stage of the season. So they're looking at the situation, saying who is available. Yeah, and also and, somebody and, who's not going to be playing every week, not really. Not playing every week, and how much would he cost? I mean, if Tottenham's going to improve their side, in today's market, it's hitting the 80 million, 90 yeah. million yeah. mark, not the yeah. 30 or 20 million, unless they're signing a, a very promising young, young player who's going to make the grade, which Tottenham are very good at. But at the moment, if they're going to go big in terms of getting somebody as good or equal to Harry Kane, you're talking 80, 90, 100 million. Yeah, I mean, they've been unfortunate because Hyung Ming Son, you know, got called away to the Asian Cup and he can fill in there in a different way to Kane. But the fact that both were missing and Deli Ali out, it hit them particularly hard but but having the best start they've ever had is, un is unbelievable for me and the amount of criticism they're getting just because they haven't signed players again mm. it's that it's, it's why do they need if, if they don't need a player why sign one you don't sign a player for the sake of it and it's it's pretty brave that Maurizio and uh, and Daniel Levy actually stand up for that and saying our squad is good enough and big enough and and for them if they've had the best start ever to this season who knows where where they might finish it, it would take a big slip up now mm. from Liverpool, obviously, mm. to, to lose the title to anybody. But Tottenham could have, have, have a fantastic season even now. And, and 54 points at this stage of the season. And their wage bill, Sam, is, is minuscule almost compared with a lot of the competitors, yeah, certainly yeah. Manchester yeah. City. I think it was True. released the figures yeah, I agree. tonight. I agree. And, 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 and maybe you look across town at Arsenal and, you know, they can't bring any players in. The wage bill's... You know, full to overflowing almost. Yeah. It's not an Man ideal United situation not to be anybody in. in. Man United not bringing anybody in. Chelsea's not bringing anybody in. I mean, the sign of the times are written that the expense of a player now means that it's limiting the amount of signings clubs can make now because of the cost. And the value of the cost means that when you are a manager and you are putting your name and you're signing off on that player, you have to be absolutely 110% certain now that he's going to make the grade because if he doesn't, you can't offload that player. Okay. Very difficult. Well, you two are quite happy then for Tottenham tonight. And why should they sign anyone? Well, as Alan Smith outlined there, the wage bill is small, but I'll tell you what else is small. Net spend since the summer of 2014. This is the top six, the big six clubs. How many points they have got in relation to their net spend? Staggering when you look at Tottenham, a second in terms of the most points accrued over these seasons since the summer of 2014. And they've done it spending 64.5 million net. Compare that to all the others, are all in the hundreds of millions. You have to say financially, it is a job finally done. As we take you back to our Premier League inside in Ashton, live in London. So, we have to read from yet another blank January transfer window, another transfer window with mm -hmm. no players, Neil, that Maurizio Pochettino didn't want anybody, right? Yeah, I, I think his behaviour is a little bit confusing, Rebecca. I have to go back to last season, final home game of the season at Wembley Stadium against Leicester. Remember that emotional outburst when he talked about getting to the next level? If Tottenham want to do that, they've got to sign players. Well, they didn't do that last summer and they haven't done that in January. And I think Pochettino secretly likes this little game of being the underdog, that he could prize some money out of Daniel, Daniel Levy if he really wanted to make a big-name signing, someone who could make an impact, someone to help Tottenham get to the next level that they're always talking about, realistically being able to challenge for the top trophies, whether that's the Premier League, the FA Cup, or one of the other domestic cups, or the Champions League, of course. I think he could make that. I think he could break the will of Daniel Levy, even though they've got 
all their resources or most of their resources currently being diverted into their new stadium build at White Hart Lane and everybody always talks about that and always uses that as the excuse for the reason why Tottenham haven't been signing players and undoubtedly it is a legitimate excuse but I have no question Rebecca that Pochettino has got so much power at Tottenham Hotspur that he's so well liked, so highly thought of and so respected that Daniel Levy, if Pochettino really wanted a player and said, I must have him, we must sign him, he is part of the future of this football club, he can take us to the next level, that that's what they do. But I always think Pochettino's reluctant to go and do it. Interesting, isn't it fascinating? More from Neil Ashton shortly. What a journey it's been over the last year. They made no signings, as we've mentioned, in the summer transfer window of 2018. Then Maurizio Pochettino linked strongly with the Manchester United job, the manager's job at Old Trafford. Then in January it was announced that the new stadium would not open until at least March. There's still no definite news on that. Harry Kane, as Robbie mentioned, injured his ankle against Manchester United. He won't be back till early March. They've also lost Deli Alley as well with a hamstring injury. Also not back until early March and then today well like I said they've got about three minutes to go but they are not going to make any signings in this transfer window as well as Jim White our Sky colleague said the first club in the Premier League to ever not sign anybody for two consecutive windows um, this lack of spending mm. Spurs how do you read Maurizio Pochettino and whether or not he's okay with this Robbie I think he's very careful and, and prides himself on the group he has the tight-knit squad he has, the, the, the camaraderie and ability of his group. They, he's not going to go and sign Eddie Experienced, who comes into his football club, earns a load of money, doesn't play in the team, and is not sure he's going to make them any better, just so we can say, oh, Spurs have made a signing. Let me just put this another, another way. In terms of football clubs, Spurs have the likes of a medalist of Skip, Winks, Foyt, Walker, Peters, Sterling. This club gives youngsters... We don't have the academy on there. This club gives youngsters a chance. We're talking about Chelsea mm. letting, or having to sometimes let some of their best young players go. If he isn't sure of going and getting an experienced player, he gets somebody who he believes in from his academy and he gives them the opportunity. Just before I go to Robbie Musso, a couple of things just in as the transfer window really is almost at an end. Two minutes to go. Newcastle have loaned Jacob Murphy to West Brom. We talked about him earlier on until the end of the season. And Leicester City have loaned out Andy King to Derby County in the Championship also for the rest of the season. Robbie, is Maurizio Pochettino wrong not to buy players in two consecutive transfer windows of course you'd like to add to the squad but I think January's tough I think it was Delhi Alley a January signing you went back to mm, MK Dons yeah. but that was an amazing January signing I would just like to have, uh, have seen him bring in a couple of younger players you know whether it's just on loan I mean Mishi Batshuayi now I'm sure Chelsea didn't want to do business with a direct competitor I get that but that would have been great, wouldn't it? You know, a lone strike. The money would been out. a problem, though, Rob. If he wants 160 well, grand and have, players there are on 100 grand, just don't understand how Palace <laughs> yeah. can afford to pay that. Or whatever. Mm. I don't know. I, I just think just just bigger picture, Rebecca, with this. You know, going into the summer, this is a special moment for Spurs, isn't it? And I know the money with the stadium, etc. But shouldn't the club somehow? find some money to try and add, to try and take this amazing squad. And that's an amazing number, the net spend. Mm. Find some money to, to try and make this complete, to go over the line, to, to, to win a Premier League title, because they might not get a chance as good in the future. So, you know, in the summer, I think, is so big for, for Spurs in so many ways. 
But they've got to spend some money if they want to win the Premier League title. But, Carl, what's so interesting is that actually they have made progress despite yeah. not getting the checkbook out. I mean, they're nine points better than they were at this stage last year. And what's amazing about that graphic of the net spend and the points accrued since 2014, many of those points were accrued in the last three seasons when they did very little business. It is trusting in youth. It is looking internally. There's also a lot of contract extensions where they side up players that were potentially leaving to other clubs. Now, there's a big contract track left to extend in Ericsson. They haven't gotten him to ink yet. The big windows this summer. The the, the biggest window, I think, in Spurs' Premier League history is this summer. And, and that's why I think they're staying out of this one, putting all their focus and money towards that. They're still in the title race. Let's not forget. That is it. The January transfer window 2019 is closed. Let If you're just joining us, let's bring you up to date, shall, shall we, with some of the biggest stories coming out of today. This man, $27 million, a club record fee for Newcastle United, spent on Miguel Almiron from Atlanta United in Major League Soccer. That was confirmed today, as was the loan signing with an option to buy of Denis Suarez to Arsenal from Barcelona. An interesting signing for Unai Emery to be reunited with him. Anthony Martial has signed a contract extension today until 2024. Very much enjoying his time now, he says, at Manchester United. What else has been happening? Some slightly smaller deals. Well, we've been listening, haven't we, to Neil Ashton about Michi Batshuayi, the Chelsea player, strongly linked with a loan move to Crystal Palace. Denis Suarez acquired, as I said, by Arsenal on loan from Barcelona. Peter Crouch has gone to Burnley. He turned 38 yesterday from Stoke City, still playing at the top level. As I mentioned to you just a few moments ago, Andy King, long-serving Leicester City player, has gone to Derby from Leicester. Not a transfer then, but as you saw there, some contract news which will make United fans very happy indeed. Anthony Martial has committed himself to Manchester United for the next five years. We talk about the Old Trafford Club when we come back. left Juve and you came back to this club was the attraction here to prove that you were perhaps shouldn't have left in the first place did you have anything to prove or was it just were you just coming back for football reasons when I came back to Manchester yeah. um, I came back here because I wanted to and I felt like I because I didn't play for me I didn't play really for the first team and uh, before Coming here the first time at Manchester, I wasn't a big fan, but being here makes me become a fan of Manchester United. So, and I felt like I wanted to be here. And when I left, it was to play. Mm. You know, I was young, and I felt like I needed to play somewhere else. You know, because here it was the players; it was still here, Paul Scholes, Michael Carrick. So, yeah. I felt maybe you know it's time for me to to go and play and come back maybe one day, you know? Mm. And that's why that's what I did. Really great stuff there from Liam Paul Pogba. That full Inside the Mind episode comes out this Saturday, so go online to the NBC Sports YouTube channel and subscribe for that, as well as the latest editions of my show, The Lowdown. So Manchester United then. Our graphics guys didn't have to do too much work to make this graphic. Notable transfers in the January transfer window, nothing in nothing out but they did today secure on a five-year deal Anthony Martial at last he said this quote I am loving my time at this club I would like to thank Ollie and his coaching staff for their belief in me and for helping me to take my game to the next level this club is all about winning trophies I'm sure the next piece of silverware is not that far away 
Let's take you back to Neil Asher then. As you saw there, Neil, no ins and no outs. Solly Gunnar Solskjaer is on loan as a manager. So who is running the <laughs> recruitment department of Manchester United right now? Yeah, as we know, Rebecca, we've talked before that they want a director of football, but at the moment, a very, very influential figure works alongside Edward Wood, the executive vice chairman at Manchester United, is a guy called Matt Judge. Now, he is the first port of call, if you like, for agents and for football clubs, for intermediaries and people looking to bring players into Manchester United or to take them away. He's the guy who put the deal together, the new deal, as you've just mentioned there, for Anthony Martial. He's the point of reference, the point of contact as well for the new deals that will take place in the coming weeks for Juan Mata and I expect David De Gea. Hugely influential figure, loving life, loving this role of being the chief negotiator at Manchester United while they seek out this director of football. They're looking for someone trilingual, someone who can speak, of course, English naturally, but also on the continent as well, probably Italian and probably Spanish or perhaps Portuguese. They want someone who can deal with players, agents and football clubs on the continent and Manchester United, they've got huge ambitions. Behind all that, of course, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's been on this massive, massive winning streak, eight wins in a row. Of course, the draw against Burnley a couple of nights ago at Old Trafford. But he's going to be interviewed very, very shortly for this Manchester United job. It's not just about winning matches, Rekha. It's how he deals with a draw. It's how he deals with defeat but also who he wants to bring in to make Manchester United great again. And that's something Solskjaer will have to answer to not only Ed Woodward, but also to Matt Judge too. Brilliant stuff. Neil Ashton, thank you very much indeed. Robbie Musto, the signing or re-signing, I should say. Oh, we'll come to you in one second. So I just want to, before we get to the Anthony Martial conversation, I just want to remind the viewers of under Jose Mourinho compared to this new look Manchester United. 17 games under Mourinho, 7 under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. 19 points in those 7 games. They have a much better goal difference. And look at that bottom row as well. Now just 2 points behind 4th. Mourinho in those 17 games. 11 points off a Champions League spot. I want to talk about Martial because he, of course, is a beneficiary of that graphic of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer coming in. He didn't want to sign, did he, when oh. Jose Mourinho was at the club? He does now. It feels very much like that is indicative of this club now finally returning to the right direction. The right direction, the right style of play, the intent to attack, the intent to give young players responsibility to go forward and create stuff. Um, this is a this is a big this is a big deal because he's a he's a talented young player. There isn't many that is as good as him at attacking in the final third, scoring, creating goals. He wanted to go out, so that's a big deal. Of course, he's got to find his way back into the team. There's that kind of issue now with Solskjaer with lots of attacking players that want to play in that front line. But I've always been a big fan of this guy. As soon as I watched him uh, when he first came to Manchester United, and that's a big deal done today. Something else that points to the atmosphere back in the change, and, and Martial's a great sign, and you're looking at Mata, De Gea, they'll want to get done. But I just want to go back to so, the Jose Mourinho times when he was adamant, I need centre-backs. And if we got to this window of Jose Mourinho at Manchester United, they would be in the transfer market for centre-backs. He didn't fancy Bailly, Lindelof, Jones or Smalling. But a change of atmosphere has changed the whole way we look at it. Lindelof's been outstanding the last few weeks. Bailly's come back into the team and, and looked strong. And all of a sudden, we're not talking about them needing anyone in. So Ollie's not only bought a, new, a, a different atmosphere to the place, he's got players playing to their capabilities. And now Manchester United look as though that they're fully equipped to go on to get, try and get that fourth spot. There is still a lot of work to do, as Neil was talking about, restructuring the club and trying to bring in this director of football role to help whoever it is that's going to take this team forward. How important to, for you 
is the rebuild behind the scenes, the getting United back where they belong? I think essential. Essential because you, you can't just give managers a checkbook with how transient the world is and how, uh, how little time they have at clubs. And we've seen Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, very talented, very successful managers struggle with money to make this Manchester United team better than it was before. Now, all of a sudden, um, there was a big out and a big in. Now, not, not January transfers, but Jose Mourinho leaves, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes in, and, and it's the cliche of almost like 18 new signings. So you got handed something, and when you, when you look at me like that, you need to say it. <laughs> no, no, I, not particularly. I was going to wait till you were finished, but I will say it now. David Ornstein of the BBC is reporting that the paperwork is in for Crystal Palace to sign Batshuayi on loan from Chelsea for the rest of the season, but it's not yet a done deal. So please sorry, Ole, you can't get finish Batshuayi. Your, finish your point, I, I, please. Well, I, just, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I just think... In the summer, kind of like Spurs, the summer is everything for Manchester United. And the resurgence means they don't have to go and buy and they, and they don't have to chase aging centre-backs, by the mm. way, that Jose Mourinho wanted. They can believe in this side and get, and get the best out of them. And with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you also got feeling. You also got Michael Carrick, who's now come alive. You've, you've gotten so much out of one move. Just quickly, Juan Mata, is he crucial to re-sign? He's not crucial. I'd re-sign him because I think he's a brilliant little player and he gives you something different when United might need something a little bit different in terms of knitting stuff together and being that playmaker. Um, David De Gea is crucial to resign. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's crucial. There's, a, there's a Lukaku-Rashford issue that, that's yeah. not going to get sorted out this mm. January, but probably will push on to the summer. Just, just the, the summer could have been so different, Rebecca. Mm. Joe said, going back to Rob's point, yeah. Reno was talking about this ripping squad, them all ripping up, it? it all up mm. and changing it totally. Now it looks so different. Defensive issues aren't anywhere near mm. as worrying. Mm. And this squad, which I think we all, most of us believed in, are going to get the chance to, to progress and get added to in the summer, I'm sure. So much to talk about with regards to Manchester United, but we will, when we come back, turn our attention to two London clubs. Arsenal have got their man today, and Chelsea, of course, secured Christian Pulisic already. But will he be joining a troubled club? We're back in just a moment. Right, with the window now closed, be sure to go online to rotoworld.com slash PL to get a complete wrap-up of all of today's big deals. And there may be a few still to come because our colleagues over at Sky Sports are reporting some breaking news. Remember I told you the deal sheets have to be in between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. I have been told that there are now two deal sheets in with the Premier League. As Michael Bridge, my colleague, told you just now, one of them, we believe, is Mishi Batshuayi for that move from Chelsea to Crystal Palace. We are investigating what that other one is. But they do now have less than two hours to complete that paperwork to get those two deals over the line. Mishi Batshuayi from Chelsea to Crystal Palace plus one more. Do not go anywhere. Darmeshev, thank you very much indeed. We won't. We'll bring that news to you as and when we get it. Let's talk Arsenal, shall we? We have spoken about Denis Suarez, confirmed today in on loan with an option to buy at the end of the season from Barcelona. Out has gone their goalkeeper to Reading on loan, Emiliano Martinez. So what do we know about Denis Suarez? Well, he's being reunited with Unai Emery. He won the Europa League with him in 2015 when he was on loan at Sevilla from Barcelona. Four goals and 33 La Liga appearances for Villarreal. He has played 71 times across all competitions for Barcelona, scoring eight goals. Denis Suarez is now an Arsenal player until the end of the season. But Arsenal, Robbie Musto, this is a huge club. It feels as if there isn't the money. And they've said they're just doing loans. We've yeah. had one today. To strengthen, and they need to strengthen, don't they? They do need to strengthen. I think what we've seen from today and many windows that the big boys don't do much. There's not much business done. But when the manager says, 
we can only do loan deals. That's got to be worrying. Like others, the summer is huge. Like, where are they at? I mean, they've got to spend a lot of money to get this, this club, this team, competitive again to be at the very top. I worry about the ownership, Stan Kroenke. I worry what's his commitment, what's his desire to win? You know, we're seeing it with John Henry Liverpool Football Club. He wants to win, and he's given the money to win. They spent new money on a new stand. You know, there's no reason why Arsenal shouldn't spend the sort of money that Liverpool have spent recently. Now, I know the ownership is very different. That's the concern for the Arsenal fans. The manager's doing a great job. They're mm -hmm. top four right now. You know, he's getting the best out of some of these players. He's got defensive issues. They need some new players. I'm not, you know, I'm not that surprised that there's just one player coming on loan. But in the summer, that's when we've got to see it. Robbie? Well, we used to think it was the Arsene Wenger didn't want to spend the money. Maybe the money wasn't there in, in the first place. And Robbie's right. We have to reserve our judgment on Emery till he's given a window, till he's given money, till he brings in his kind of players that can play his style to get Arsenal back to where they want. And, and this football club have, have a big challenge in the summer because they've got to decide, do they want to get back to winning titles or are they happy to be scrambling to get that full spot and be part of the Champions League? Because if they are, they should tell the, fan, the fans that, by the way, and then maybe you decide whether I want a season ticket or not. Because at the moment, they're kind of kidding along that they're, they're, in, they're in there fighting for titles, and, and they aren't because they're not putting the money in the club. When we were on Sky Sports News a little bit earlier, you actually highlighted Arsenal as a team mm. to be a little bit concerned about. Well, because when they need to spend money, it's obvious where they need to spend it. And it's obvious it needs to be on, on defensive reinforcements. I mean, quality center backs, and Koscielny's been a great servant to the team, but coming back after a serious injury, he's struggling to reach form. Uh, Socrates is now out hurt. Mustafi never living up to the expectation. The best of them holding is, is, is injured. It's just an area where you say... Who's in charge and where is the money? Mislintat was brought in to try and recruit. It seems like he brought in a couple of great guys in Aubameyang and Lacazette right to begin with. And now all of a sudden, who's making that call? And when they get to the summer, let's say they have the money, how are they going to spend it? Because we don't know who Arsenal is in a market the last decade. Because Sven Mislintat, as you say there, was brought in to do the recruitment. He He's is leaving yeah. in early February. Um, just before we could talk Chelsea, I've just got to bring you some news. Everton's Yannick Bellassi has joined Anderlecht in Belgium on loan until the end of the season. He is the winger that had that dreadful injury a couple of years ago. You may remember he came from Palace to Everton. He then went out on loan last summer to Aston Villa, decided he didn't want to stay at Aston Villa, came back to Everton, and they've sent him out on loan to Anderlecht until the end of the season. Let's talk Chelsea, shall we? Ins and outs with regards to this January transfer window. A little busier than most of the big six clubs. In has come Christian Pulisic, but he's gone straight back to Borussia Dortmund, of course, on loan until the end of the season. We shall see the American next season. Gonzalo Higuain on loan from Juventus. We've already seen him make his FA Cup and Premier League debut. No goals yet for him. More on him in just a second. Also out of the club, rather quietly, you have to say, Victor Moses has gone to Fenerbahce on loan. Used to be a, an ever-present, didn't he, under the lights of Antonio Conte. Alvaro Morata, once a $91 million player, now on loan Atletico Madrid and Cesc Fabregas has gone to Monaco uh, for an undisclosed fee as well. So let's take you back to Neil Ashton then live from London. Gonzalo Higuain, we mentioned him at the top of the show, yet to really show us too much. I know you feel, Neil, that he's not match fit, which is a problem because he is the key, is he not, to Sari getting some success at Stamford Bridge. Without a doubt, Rebecca, and this is one of those players, this is plagued him throughout his career, particularly in Italy, particularly the clubs that he's played for. So beyond Real Madrid, when he went to Juventus, and then beyond that, the signing for AC Milan, that people have looked at him and said, 
you're not fit, you're not ready, you're not in the condition you should be for a top-class professional athlete, and now he's in the Premier League, the demands are huge, and there's extra pressure on him, of course, because this is the man Maurizio Sarri wanted. He demanded him. He said, this is the guy who can make the difference up front. Now, just, go, just to go into that in a little bit more detail, the personalities in the dressing room, and the boys will know all about this. You have to take into account Eden Hazard now playing in his favoured position out on the left. But who is one of his best friends at the club? Who does he believe is the best person to play centre-forward? Well, it's not Gonzalo Higuain. He wants Olivier Giroud to play centre-forward. That's his man. That's the guy that he has always wanted to play in that number nine position, that central role for Chelsea, and Eden Hazard could supply him. So I'm wondering, how does Eden Hazard feel about Olivier Giroud being sidelined, as he has been under Sarri, and then Higuain comes in, and, of course, he has to be the number one striker of that club. He has to play football. Substituted last night, of course, against Bournemouth, 65 minutes in, and on came Giroud, just couldn't make a difference at that time. Just want to mention Callum Hudson-Odoi as well, of course, wanted by Bayern Munich they put in big money for him 45 million dollars they wanted him why didn't Chelsea let him go it's two reasons one Bayern Munich of a club of that calibre with that kind of prestige that kind of history if they're willing to sign him what does that mean they believe he's going to be a top player and secondly is Sarri going to be there next season? Sarri left him out of that squad last night. Frustrated with him for handing in that transfer request. He wanted to go to Bayern Munich. Chelsea never going to let him go. Yeah, fascinating that. Callum Hudson, Adoy, still a Chelsea player. Neil, more for him a little bit later. So, Iguain hasn't yet scored in the Premier League. But what about this four figures? 224 goals in 383 games across Europe's big five leagues. He is the sixth best scorer in the last, what, more than a decade. So they've certainly got a man who knows where the back of the net is, Robbie, Robbie Earl. But when you've watched him play so far, as, as Neil said, yeah. he was taken off against Bournemouth. That decision by Sarri to substitute him yesterday was booed by the mm. Chelsea fans. But Neil doesn't think he's match fit and quite up to scratch yet. Your thoughts? Possibly. I mean, he, he's not an outstanding runner. He's not got great pace, Rebecca. He scores his goals with craft, with guile, with movement, with, with working defenders. It's a, it's a Chelsea team that's not probably functioning as well as it should do, not maybe creating as much chances for a centre-forward as it should. But the bit that Neil said about Eddie Nazard wants to play with Giroud. Giroud, by the way, Eddie Nazard, you're the player. There's a manager who will tell you who you play with. You know, you do your stuff on the left, and he does his stuff generally well, but I don't like that bit where he's telling who he likes to play and with. And also, he should play well with Higuain. Mm. Higuain's a clever player. Mm. He's, a, he's an experienced mm. striker. You know, he's, he's going to have no problems coming into this team and being confident to get on the ball. And he likes to link with Hazard, so that shouldn't be an issue. He should enjoy mm. playing with him because Higuain, you know, he can do a little bit of everything. Um, and maybe to the, the match fit point, He's probably never been... He's just not that guy. I was going to say, uh, that is his best. <laughs> That's about as sharp as it gets. So. But, but I think the, the bigger point here is that the Neil made, he's got to work for Sarri. Mm. Iguain's got to score goals because it, the, the guy that he wanted in there, if he doesn't... That's going to be it for the manager. Well, it works for Sarri. I mean, in, in, in his Napoli career, when Sarri showed up in the third season, it doubled his goal production. Um, in the game against Bournemouth, it, it, was, it was not a testament to who he can be, but it was scary that... I mean, if, if, if the attacking goal was the sun, he'd have third-degree burns on his back. I mean, he never even turned to look at the goal the whole game and was the first to, to be taken off. And my big issue is Iguain and, 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 and uh, Jorginho 
the, the players he loves that worked at Napoli. It's just not working the same way here, and everyone else is having to adjust around that. Well, there's a player who's going to be coming in next season, Christian Pulisic, who we're not even really convinced Rizzo Sarri was the one who bought him. <laughs> Feel perhaps the hierarchy at Chelsea brought in the 20-year-old American midfielder uh, for $73 million, the highest ever transfer fee for an American player, is back at Dortmund until the end of the season. Born and raised in Hershey, Pennsylvania, went to Germany age 16. He has nine goals and 23 caps for the U.S. men's national team and was named U.S. Soccer Player of the Year, Male Soccer Player of the Year, uh, in 2017. Do you fear that Christian Pulisic has chosen, or Chelsea have chosen him, a club which perhaps isn't as stable as some of the other big six that he will be joining? Worse, I, I fear he's joined a club young players shouldn't join. Um, and Callum Hudson-Odoi is trying to get out of that club. And, and typically they go by the finished product. Um, Christian Pulisic is ready to start for this team. He, he's not the finished product yet. He still has some growing to do, but 20 Champions League appearances, World Cup qualifying experience, big games in the Bundesliga. Um, whether Ed Nazard stays or not, he's ready to play. And you forget that William and, and, uh, and Pedro are getting up there in age, but there's an 18-year-old at Bruce Dortmund that, that's knocked him out of the side a lot of times in Sancho. And, and Callum Hudson-Odoi, if he's staying... That's going to be competition. It doesn't matter if they paid $73 million for Christian Pulisic. This is going to be a huge challenge for the young American. How do you see Pulisic at Chelsea working you know out? What, do you know what I'd like to see, Rebecca? Mm -hmm. I'd like to see this club getting, getting shook up, make some changes. Let, let's have some transition at Chelsea. And we haven't seen a transition for a long period of time. Will they go with some young players? Play both of them. Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic. You know, can they change the, the, culture. The, the, the culture, the shape, the look of the team? I'm not confident it's going to happen, but in terms of those older players, mm. they've been there a, a long time now. Azar's probably going to leave in the summer. Change it up. Keep but, but that to door. happen, Sarri's got to go, right? For that to happen. Well, Sarri said he didn't even know Pulisic was coming. <laughs> Indeed. But it was interesting. I remember Sir Alex Ferguson going back, way, uh, back in the day with the, yeah. with the class of 92, and people were talking about how good they were, and he said, my young players are as good as the old experienced pros who play with them. And my worry for Pulisic is going at Chelsea is, I'm not sure how many good old pros are in that group who are going to put an arm around him, who are going to get him through difficult times, who are going to talk to him and help him and develop his game. Because that's what he's going to need to do. He's going to have some bad days going in as a new player. Paperwork is in on Michi Bashuayi to Crystal Palace. One other deal, apparently, the paperwork is in the Premier League's hands. We will get that to you as soon as we find that out. They have about another hour and a half to finalise that paperwork, even though the window has closed. Now, after the break, Marco Silva and Everton have already been big spenders, haven't they, last summer. Then there's Wolves. What kind of day did Nuno have? We'll touch on Everton and Wolves next. with you here on our deadline day special if you're just joining us some news and notes from around the Premier League today it's not been confirmed yet the paperwork is in for the Chelsea striker Mishi Batshuayi to move to Palace on loan until the end of the season Yannick Bellassi is going to Anderlecht in Belgium from Everton Jacob Murphy's being loaned to West Bromwich Albion in the Championship from Newcastle United and Fulham have brought in from Hoffenheim Avard Nortweit the former West Ham player you may remember on loan Fulham have been a little bit more busy than just that as we take you to our Sky Sports colleague Jamie Weir at the training ground. 
there is still one deal which is in the pipeline for Fulham and I can tell you that that man is Yusuf Sabali, the Bordeaux right back. At 7 o'clock this evening I can tell you that he had a medical at a private medical facility that Fulham used around 10 minutes from here. He had that medical at 7 o'clock this evening. We've been told that for several hours now Fulham have been trying to contact Bordeaux but they're not responding. They have met the £12 million release clause for Sabali but they can't get hold of Bordeaux. Now does that mean they can still get it done? We heard Darmish before the break there talk about one other deal sheet that was in. Could that be for Sabali? The press team are still here. We're still here. We're not going anywhere but confusion reigns at Fulham. Are they going to get this one over the line? Claudio Ranieri clearly trying to bring in the reinforcements. Let's talk about Wolverhampton Wonders. Three players went out today, two on loan, one for a fee. And the big news, and it kind of went under the radar, but Johnny Otto has been confirmed as a permanent move now from Atletico Madrid for $20 million. Wolverhampton Wonders, Robbie Musto, are sitting in seventh position. We met Nuno at the beginning of the season when all the pressure was on him because everybody was saying, people are saying you're going to finish in the top eight. And he was saying, no, no, no. They're actually living up and more to expectations. But, but wasn't there a conference about him there, Rebecca, that we all, I'm sure we all remember, that he, he was fired up, he was ready to go, he was confident in what, what he'd done in the championship, and they were ready to, to hit the Premier League. And being the best of the rest right now is stunning. Johnny Otto looks a very good wing-back, can play both sides. He's good age, he's, I think he turns 25 next month or in March. So it's great business. Raul Jimenez, the striker, has got eight Premier League goals, ten all competitions. He's on loan from Benfica with an option to buy in the summer. They've got, to, they've got to take up that option. That looks to be a really, really good acquisition, um, and I'm assuming they're going to buy him in the summer. But it's just a, a brilliant story from Wolves, what they've done and where they are on the league table right now. Are they the best ever newly promoted team in the Premier League? King of Niger, yes. I'm going to go <laughs> with you. And, for sure. uh, the reason I say, Rebecca, is this is novel for a promoted club in the Premier League not to be scrambling around and thinking what reinforcements and how many points we've got to get. 35 points that they're sitting on, seventh in the table, absolutely controlled, signing a couple of players who they've, they've had on loan with options to buy, reinforcements coming in the summer. I remember the ownership of this football club said, in the next three or four years, we want Champions League football. Mm. Bet against it. They've got to keep hold of Nuno Espirito Santo. <laughs> he is going to be arguably a man in demand for even bigger clubs. Well, they have to keep a hold of him and, I would say, a handful of players that, that the clubs are going to come after this summer. Um, and, and Nuno Espirito Santo, some of, some of the most incredible managers I had where I thought, there's something special, I can't put my finger on it. And I realize what it is when I see what Wolves are doing this year. It's calmness when things are going wrong. And there was a bad stretch for Wolves where very easily could have gotten out of control, he could have changed the lineups, the systems, and he stuck with things. They rebounded. And there's a confidence about them that, that equals their quality. Before we talk Everton, Fulham, as we heard from Jamie Weir, our Sky Sports colleague, are trying to get Youssef Zubali from Bordeaux through the door. Out the door, they they have sent to West Bromwich Albion until the end of the season on loan, uh, Stefan Johansson. So Claudio Ranieri up late tonight at Motspur Park, mm -hmm. the Fulham training ground, trying to do deals to keep Fulham in the Premier League. They're five points adrift from safety as things stand. Right, let's talk about Everton. They are definitely safe from relegation, but it's been an interesting season, hasn't it? Very up and down, mainly down. Nobody in this month. Out has gone four players all on loan. Yannick Bellassi today to Anderlecht, as we said. Kieran Dow to Sheffield United, Mason Holgate to West Brom and Umar Nias, who has already been playing for Cardiff City over the last couple of weeks. Yannick Balassi, I want to talk to Neil Ashton about. Did that come as a surprise to you, Neil? Yeah, it definitely did, Rebecca. Yeah, oh, let me just tell you through the anatomy of a, of a day in the life of a football reporter, and I'm sure you won't have too much sympathy for me. But um, first thing in the morning, 
First thing on transfer deadline day morning, you're checking with a few old favourites, clubs, managers, agents, people that you know in the game, just to put the feelers out, just to try and find out what's happening. Yannick Balassi this morning, I was told, absolutely, we're going to Finch Farm, the Everton training ground. He reports as usual. He's not going anywhere. Of course, he'd had that miserable, unhappy loan spell in the championship with Aston Villa. He decided to cut that short. He wanted to return to Everton. He wanted to fight for his place. He wanted to prove to Marco Silva that he was an Everton player, that he was good enough to play for Everton, that he would fight for his first team place. And if even if he didn't get another Premier League club today, that he would stay at Everton, his heart was in it, he would remain there and he would try to prove him wrong and that he was going to be a first-team footballer. If not, he was happy to play for Everton's under-23. Well, complete surprise this afternoon, Rebecca, because I thought, OK, that one's done. Yannick Balassi stays at Everton, don't even think about that again. All of a sudden, he's on a flight, he's off to Belgium and he's off to sign for Anderlecht, a new start to his career. Bit of a shock, Rebecca. I know there's sympathy, will be in short supply, but that just sort of gives you an indication just what happens on days as frantic, as frenetic as transfer deadline day. Balassi, no longer an Everton player, on loan to Anderlecht for the rest of the season. We're just honoured that you find the time to talk to us in what is no doubt an extremely busy day, as you just explained there. Neil Ashley, don't <laughs> Don't Always go anywhere. Guys, I know, you, you know can't that. go anywhere. We've still got to talk to you about other things, so please stay with us. We'll talk more with Neil shortly. So, Everton and their situation with regards scoring goals. It's problematic. Richarlison, Gilby Sigerson has got nine. Everyone else is kind of adding in in dribs and drabs. Jenk Tosin hasn't really done it, has he, since he came in, Kyle? The state of this club is a strange one, is it not, in terms of no strikers, and we're not really sure whether Marco Silva's doing a good job or not. And I'm just curious, and... Well, you must have said earlier that, that Bacuay might be one of the best signings or biggest coups of the window. Were they in? I mean, wh why weren't Everton in the mix? A club that you would think Bacuay would say has bigger aspirations, higher up the table. That's the type of club I want to be at. And, and I used Lukaku as an example earlier. You know, the, the, the parallels are there. Um, there's, there's only two points separating Wolves and Everton. But the gap, when, when you look at the performances, seems much greater. So Silva isn't doing a great job, as far as I'm concerned so far. And the gap when you feel about expectations. The expectation mm. from Everton this season was going to be much better than they did. Yeah, and I think there's excitement around the place. They got the manager that the owner wanted for a long period of time. But there's no question. The, the recent performances have been dire. But they're two points behind Wolves and the best of the rest. They should be in seventh place. You know, given the time they've had now with the money that they've spent, again, like many others, it'll come down to the summer... Mm. Um, I'm assuming that Marcus Silva will be given more money, more players to, to try and make this team better. And the patience will have to come from those Everton fans that forever seem to have to be patient to get a really exciting, good team. I think that's a bit of a question, though, Rebecca, the, the money, because there's money been put into Everton Football Club. You look in the last few windows, there's a number of players, there's quality of players. We started to get excited at the start of the season and said, we're going to find out about Everton, we'll find out about Marco Silva. It's not really happened. And... I, I just think that this club are, are going to have a look at this and decide, if we're going to back this guy, we've got to make sure he's a guy who's going to take us and challenge that top four. If he's not, I'm not sure he's, he's going to get the financial backing. Well, one positive line for Everton fans today, uh, Paris Saint-Germain came in again and offered, I think it was nearly $30 million for Idrissa Ghana. Everton have held strong and Idrissa Ghana remains an Everton player, crucial in the heart mm. of Everton's midfield. Two more clubs we're going to focus on when we return. Talk about overachievers and really good seasons. How about this man, Harvey Gracia, and what he's doing at Watford, and a perennial overachiever. His name is Eddie Howe. We'll talk Bournemouth as well when we come back.
I've got your bonus question for the week. Right. I want you to get a bit romantic and dreamy about this. A bit Transfer, like you will. A bit like me. Transfer window is coming to an end. Right. Give us your best transfer window memory. The, the oh. day you, you went, oh, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, my God. I was on air <laughs> in the UK, and it was the first season of the big money coming into City, but it wasn't the sh- wasn't Sheikh Mansour. It might have been Sheikh Mansour. Oh, it was about... Good. It was Anyway, it was Rubinho. Rubinho. And I, we were on air, live on air, and I got in my ear, uh, Rubinho signed for City, and I actually laughed and was like, well, obviously, that's not true. What? And we went to an advert break, and I had Steve McManaman sitting there, former mm-hmm. Man City player, of course, and I said, guys, 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 guys. Okay. I sound like Pep Guardiola. I said, uh, we've got to come back, breaking news, Rubinho signed for City. And McManaman just went... Time lie. And didn't he think he signed at Chelsea at one time? Didn't he do an interview? No, I think he thought he signed for Manchester United. He got the wrong Manchester. The wrong Manchester. Fabinho never thought he was signing for City. Anyway, that was the moment that City changed, the transfer window changed, and that seeing McManaman's face when he actually realised it was true was genius. Be sure to go online, join in the fun, subscribe to the NBC Sports YouTube channel for all of the latest episodes from both of our original series, The Lowdown and Inside the Mind. We're going to focus now on the Hornets. Watford Football Club, no one in. Now, normally there's a lot of moving and shaking at this club. Not this transfer window. Three have gone out, including a youngster to Udinese that happened today, Ben Wilmot, the defender, who's had some minutes for Watford this season, but are not enough yet to break into Javi Gracia's side. And let's talk about the manager, shall we? It's not often we can talk about the same manager in one transfer window as they had in the previous transfer window. He was appointed a year ago, replacing Marco Silva. Remember him? This is his first job in English football. They finished four. 14th last season, eight points above the drop zone. He signed a new four-and-a-half-year contract in November, which includes an option for a further three years. They're sitting currently in ninth spot. And Robbie Earle, Mm. this man... No one talks about, really, no. because we've talked about Nuno at Wolves. We've given him a lot of love. We always talk about the clubs like Bournemouth, which we'll get to yeah. on in a minute. But they're quite an unfashionable club, Watford, but they shouldn't do without our credit. Absolutely, and he's done a fashionable job, Rebecca. When, when I look at the players, there's a consistency now about the football club. I look at Decore, I look at um, Capu, I look at Dini, I look at Holobas, I look at Pereira, who are week in, week out, performing at the top level of, of Premier League, and... Watford, whether you're playing them at home or away now, are a real challenge. They're a team you have to take seriously where, honestly, back in the day, it used to be, oh, it's Watford. You didn't even have to worry about them. He's given them a a sense of of pride and responsibility back, which which was lacking at the football club. It's hard enough, Kyle, to stay in the Premier League when you're a club the size of Watford, but to establish yourself as a top ten team takes something a bit different from a manager. Um, and to do it with a style is is what's impressive. I mean, to do it with with a a team where where Watford, yes, I mean how they were known before. I mean, there there are players from big clubs that are leaving opportunities to come to Watford because they see how they play, they see they enjoy themselves. They're attacking minded players that see themselves fitting in, um, knowing full well you have to fit into a group where a lot of players do tend to change. Um, every summer, maybe in a way, that's the built-in incentive of I might not last here long. They don't waste time with players if you don't get it right. So I got to get it right right away. And also, you don't know who's the manager <laughs> in the in, in the next season. So it, it's an incredible project. Right now. It's a well-run club. Rebecca. Yeah, I was going to say you're a fan. Well, it's a well-run club, and and they've been criticised the last few seasons for changing the manager and all that. But they're an incredibly experienced ownership. They're experienced in football. They're football people. They've been around it a long time in different countries. And yes, they're fussy with their manager. But it's, it's proven that when they get one that they really like, then he works well with the players they've got at the moment in time. They'll give him a longer contract. So, you know, it's been a while coming to really trust the manager. 
But the recruitment, Rebecca, is the secret of this club. I mean, not even him. He's not the secret. The secret is their recruitment, their knowledge base, bringing players in okay. that are good enough for the Premier League. OK, let's move on to Bournemouth, having another very decent season indeed. In this month, they've been quite busy. Dominic Solanke, up to $31.5 million. He was injured when they bought him. He hasn't played yet. He was on the bench yesterday for Bournemouth against Chelsea. Chris Meppham, of course, Eddie Howe knows players from the lower leagues. He's come in from Brentford from the Championship for $15.5 million. Nathaniel your client, as we've spoken about, on loan from Liverpool. Out has gone to Foe on loan. Tyro Mings today has gone to Villa on loan. And Mark Hugh has gone to Pugh has gone to Hull City. Now, there's been a lot of money spent at Vitality Stadium since they were promoted back in 2015. And most of these signings, Robbie Musto, they have done rather well. OK, Jordan I perhaps yeah. hasn't lived up to $20 million, but on the whole, we don't yet know about Solanke. Um, and Tyro Mings, $12.5 million. He's now gone on loan today. Mm. On the whole, Eddie Howe has done pretty well with recruitment and incredibly well with where they have finished. Yeah, and uh, it's quite remarkable the money is spent, by the way. It's a tiny club, Bournemouth. It's a tiny club. Tiny, what's that, 14,000, I think? Less than that, 11,000. capacity. Yeah. So it's amazing what they've done. And a lot of those players didn't always start great. A lot of them are young players. Lewis Cook was somebody we should mention, was, has been really good in midfield. Da David Brooks has mm -hmm. been stunning. What a great pickup that is. So it shows you that there is bargains to be had in the lower leagues, which is all credit to him. And even if they haven't started off great, I think he's improved most of them. Jordan Ibe is the one, Rebecca, that's like, he was we're a lot of money. Waiting. And we're yeah. still waiting for his improvement. But I watched them this, this, this last week, and they play great football on the front foot, attacking football. They don't always win. They're kind of one of those where it's going to be end-to-end, -end, but they look so good going forward. Robbie, do they show you that as a club promoted from the Premier League, yeah. once you've established yourself, which they did pretty much inside yeah. about 18 months, mm -hmm. you've got to spend money. Otherwise, Absolutely. you're going to be struggling at the bottom week in, week out, which they're not doing. No, and, and you, you, you back your manager, you, you, you reinforce what he wants to do, and then he has a, a patience, Rebecca. This guy is patient with his players, and he, he's a mini Pochettino in that players who go and work with him get better. Jack Wiltshire could have probably had the pick of six, seven, eight clubs when he was allowed to go out on loan from Arsenal Football Club. He went to Bournemouth to work under Eddie Howe. That tells you everything of Eddie Howe standing in the game and the reason why people think he's going to go on to bigger and better things. That's my question. As, uh, is Eddie Howe <laughs> on the mind of other clubs? Well, I'll tell you whose mind he should be on. Daniel Levy. And you said Mini Pochettino. Mm. Daniel Levy should be thinking... I don't think I keep Pochettino long-term here. Real Madrid's knocking on the door. Manchester United are knocking on the door. It's only a matter of time. Um, he's a very shrewd businessman. He needs to say, instead of trying to hold on to Pochettino, give Eddie Howe the new stadium. G give Eddie Howe the new project. Give Eddie Howe the young players. B because you get a lot of money for Pochettino that you can give to him right away, and you have to think of the of the transition out of the Pochettino era. It is amazing to think, though, that no club we don't think has ever come in for Eddie Howe. Mm -hmm. He remains at Bournemouth. Don't forget, you can get a complete wrap-up of all today's news and completed deals wherever you are. Just go online to rotaworld.com slash PL. Leicester City and West Ham United are our next focus. Claude Puel is popular again after yesterday's results against Liverpool. What about the popularity of Marco Arnautovic, now a loyal West Ham man?
If you're just joining us this afternoon or you're just getting in from work, let me bring you right up today with some transfer deadline day news and notes. Michi Batshuayi, the Chelsea striker, reportedly very close to a low move to Palace. The paperwork is with the Premier League. They have one hour, six minutes in which to confirm it. Miguel Almiron, we will talk more about this player. He's gone from Atlanta to Newcastle for $27 million, a Newcastle club record. Peter Crouch. Pushing 40 is back in the Premier League. He has now joined Burnley from Stoke City. And Denis Suarez on loan from Barcelona to Arsenal with an option to buy. is also going to be making very soon his Premier League debut. Let's take you back to London. Neil Ashton is hearing something to do with a Premier League player to a Premier League club. Fill us in, Neil. Yeah, I, something's definitely afoot, Rebecca. I thought initially this was the complicated deal involving Bashwai, Chelsea, Valencia, Palace. That's Premier League to Premier League club, effectively. But I'm told that there's another deal in the offing currently with the Premier League. Premier League club to Premier League club. Now, the intrigue goes on because it's so late in the day. It means there's two deal sheets in, one for Bashwai and one for another player. The only hint that I've got, and the one player, of course, who wanted to get out of Chelsea desperately in this transfer window beyond Callum Hudson-Odoi, Gary Cahill, totally in the, in the um, cold at Chelsea, out of the team, not played for them for a couple of months. Sarri just doesn't fancy him. He wanted to go to Fulham. He wanted to resurrect his career. But that hasn't happened so far in this January transfer window. And I'm wondering if that Premier League club to Premier League club is Gary Cahill. At the age of 34, a Champions League winner, a two-time Premier League winner with Chelsea. Hugely successful career at Stamford Bridge. He wants to continue that playing career. Will he get the opportunity to sign for Fulham? I'm doing my best, my level best, Rebecca, to try to bring you the news, if it is indeed Gary Cahill or if it's another player altogether. Keep working on it, please, Neil. Back with Neil Ash and very shortly mm, to find be. out if Gary Cahill is leaving Chelsea. Let's talk Leicester City, shall we? The 2016 Premier League champions, of course. A number of players have gone out today. Two have gone out on loan, including Adrian Silva, in today as part of the swap deal that's seen Silva go to Monaco. The Belgium midfielder, Yuri Tillemans, has come in from Monaco to join Claude Puel's side. And when I say the name of Claude Puel, it means one thing. It is the 22nd weekly loving for Robbie Mustard on Claude Puel. <laughs> I can't wait. Go on. Yesterday, oh, go on. to be fair, yesterday, a, a very good performance. One perhaps they could have got even more out of <clears throat> against Liverpool at Anfield. And again, the pressure comes off Claude Puel. But week in, week out, it's on, off, on, off. Shouldn't be. They're a, he's a good manager. And they're a good team. They've got some good young players. Tillemans, by the way, could be sneaky good. <laughs> you know, he was a staff round elect. Didn't work at Monaco. He's only 21. He's a playmaker. And in the football that he wants to play Claude Puel, he could be a, a, a pretty good addition. Kind of like a Madison, he links the play skillfully, can play the through passes. Um, so I think that's a really good signing, actually, on loan. Um, but no, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get all the pressure. I understand sometimes his demeanour doesn't do him any favours, but they proved they're a good team. Do you think he has any chance of holding on to his job in the summer? Yes, because he's gritty. Um, and he, he's hung in there. I think he'll glad to get over a transfer window. This time he didn't look like he was even going to get to one. Let's not forget as well, the summer last season, they sold their best player in Riyad Mahrez to Manchester City. So anybody selling, selling your best players is going to have a problem. I just think that this guy, as Robbie said, deserves a chance to, to either show us that he can, he can do it or that he'll fail. And someone like Tillemans is another young footballer and, and he's trying to change the age of this group from that, that team that won the, the title but is ageing out and lost a bit of hunger. Do you think there has been any downside at all to winning the title in 2016 for Leicester? Of course. It's, it's like the, uh, 
You know, the race dog that, that, that catches the rabbit and can't race ever again. I mean, you, you, when you chase something, and, and you, especially for those players that thought they would never get close to something like that, the wages, the, the, the expectations, Jamie Vardy complaining about their style, all these things were an anathema to this, this club and who they were before. And that spirit, I mean, Andy King going out and look, all of, all of the things that were there before are almost all gone. And Puel's doing a great job of trying to transition them into this new style. But the only problem with him is that's about as animated as he gets right there. And I think that's why he gets so much criticism. But I think oh, he's a great coach. Him. I agree. That's, that's why we have our weekly loving, so that he gets a good deal out of this. Um, what West Ham United, by the way, would do for a Premier League title when they haven't been too busy, have they, under Manuel Pellegrini this month? It's been a very strange season. Out has gone Sead, Haksabanovic on loan. In has come Sammy Nansri, who, of course, is already playing for Pellegrini's side. Uh, we're going to go back to Neil Ashton in London and to talk a little bit about West Ham. Not too much going on there, Neil. Were there some other players they tried to get out? Yeah, one of them was uh, Reese Oxford, who has joined the German club at Augsburg. He is on loan until the end of the season. Huge frustration here on all sides. West Ham gave him a huge contract. Remember his debut against Arsenal those years ago under Slaven Bilic, 16 years and 198 days, youngest debut in West Ham history in the Premier League. An exceptional performance that day, but it's all so long ago and he just hasn't developed at the rate that West Ham wanted or the player himself expected as well. He was on loan last season in Germany, came back to English football, convinced that he would win his place in Manuel Pellegrini's new look West Ham side and it just hasn't happened for him. Offered to Arsenal, he wanted, was desperate to find a way to Arsenal this January transfer window. They just weren't interested in signing him and that's why he's gone back to Germany just to try to resurrect his career and try to get some games. One Another player though, Rebecca, another high profile name and a player who's played at the very, very highest level, Andy Carroll. West Ham being desperate to get rid of him in this transfer window, in the last transfer window and last January as well. They just can't find a new home for him. Struggling for form as a West Ham player. He's still popular, incredibly popular with the supporters. They love it when they see Carroll on the team sheet but West Ham desperately trying to get rid of a player who hasn't quite worked out since he signed from Liverpool. Huge name, huge transfer, huge salary. They just can't find a new home for Andy Carroll. Huge person as well, I think it's fair <laughs> to say. Neil Ashton, more from you in London a little bit later on. Every transfer window needs a saga. We had one, didn't we, with Marco Arnautovic early on in the month. His agent, who's also his brother, said that Arnautovic wanted West Ham to accept an offer that had come in from an unnamed Chinese club. West Ham then went on to say he's not for sale. On social media, on Friday just gone, Arnautovic said, I'm staying at West Ham. He wasn't in the squad for the FA Cup loss at Wimbledon. Then he signed on that day a contract extension. And then he started in the game against Wolves on Tuesday, was it not, uh, when they lost by three goals to nil. Kyle, Marko Arnautovic, how are West Ham fans supposed to feel about what's happened this month? Angry. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll feel... Um... It's a bit disingenuous, but I, I, I listen, a lot of fans have short-term memories. We went through this with Paul Pogba, and we were talking about, are fans going to be okay with Paul Pogba and how he's playing and the things he's saying? The fans are already back on board with Paul Pogba. It, it, the performances he's put in, forget what he said off the field, the transfer request, are excellent. I mean, he, he's one of West Ham's most consistent and best players. They will forgive him, and it's hard to blame a player at his age. He has one more big deal being turned a little bit by probably doubling his wages in China and eventually didn't do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if fans just, just kind of get over it quickly. Robbie? Yeah, this is modern-day football. I, I just think it's, it's, it's so different now. I think the players in the dressing room, he walks back in and goes, oh, Marco, I, I don't think anything phases them. I think there's no surprises. He said he wanted to leave. We know why he wanted to leave for more money. It didn't work out. He comes back into the football club. Because he's such a good player for them, everybody's going to be OK with it. And you're right, Carl. The fans, I don't think they'll care. 
I don't think they're going to be angry about it. They've been like, oh, yeah, he wanted to, to leave. Now he's going to stay. It's just the way that modern football is now. Back kind of when we played... In your day. Time, yeah. and, <laughs> and maybe people have been more upset about it, but not nowadays. I'm not surprised, and I think we just get on with his job. The only thing I didn't like was that he, he wanted to go and then said, actually, no, he wanted to stay, actually, when it had gone, and, he, you know, he's a West Ham, you know, all the hammers. And, I mean, come on, Marco. <laughs> he's got the tattoo. You, 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 you wanted to leave. <laughs> and I have to say that the pick-up of Sammy Nasri is good business, by the way, by Paul I think he's come in and done a really good job for the team. People were saying he wasn't fit and would he be right. He's been important while or not, and after history has been I mean, injured. it's a big squad as well, Rebecca. They've yeah. got a big, a lot of big injuries squad. as well. Yeah. Lot of, so mm. they don't need many players to talk to about. Yeah, he's tried to trim it, hasn't he, Pellegrini? Yeah. hasn't really worked. Fulham are very busy. Uh, Sky, uh, our, no, not Andy Carroll. Our colleagues at Sky are reporting that Fulham will not be signing the Bordeaux defender Yusuf Sabali. But how about this for a name, a blast from the past? Fulham have submitted a deal sheet to try and sign Liverpool's Lazar Markovic on a permanent wow. transfer. Oh. I'm not sure anyone remembers that he was still at Liverpool. I they? like him. Yeah, yeah, like it's quite yeah, a decent yeah. signing if it goes through. Yeah, for the paperwork has gone in. They've got 57 minutes in which to confirm that and complete it. That would be mm, a big, big, deal big deal for this Bad day. Deal. Meanwhile, a new face has arrived on Tyneside. A record signing for Newcastle, 27 million bucks for the man from Atlanta. We shall discuss the biggest fee ever paid for a Major League Soccer player next. The big news, part of the big news today, Miguel Almiron has arrived at Newcastle United, confirmed today a club record fee, $27 million from Atlanta United. The previous most expensive player to walk through the doors at St. James's Park was way back nearly 14 years ago, Michael Owen. They've also brought in Antonio Barreca today as well. Let's take you back to Neil Ashton for more on this deal to bring Almiron out of Major League Soccer and on to Tyneside. Who made that call, Neil? Yes, yeah, a big call. Undoubtedly, this one is down to Rafa Benitez. His reputation on the line over this transfer, no doubt about it. Look at the carefully constructed words of the chief executive, Lee Charnley, this afternoon, Rebecca. He talks about this player being someone that Rafa Benitez had monitored for a long time and that this is the man that Rafa Benitez wanted. And I think this is a clear message that we can take, that this is the man that they wanted, that Mike Ashley, the owner, and all those frustrations that Newcastle supporters and Rafa Benitez has got with Mike Ashley for not putting his hand in his pocket to bring in top-class top signings, to bring in the players who can make an impact at Newcastle United. Well, now he's done that. He's given Rafa a man that he wanted, a man that he's been looking at for the past couple of seasons, and a man that he believes can strengthen this Newcastle United side. This signing undoubtedly puts a little bit of pressure on Rafa Benitez. It's the man that he wanted. There isn't any transfer committee here who've made this final decision to bring Almir on in. This one is down to Rafa. That's why it has to work for him. OK, Neil, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much to Neil Ashton. So who is Miguel Almiron, if you don't know? He's a 24-year-old Paraguayan midfielder. He won two top flights in his native Paraguay. He won the Argentinian top flight as well in 2016 and the MLS Cup in 2018 with Atlanta United, which is where he caught the eye of Newcastle United. Robbie Earle, mm. Rafa Benitez is getting happier. Yeah. So for Newcastle fans... If they bring in players that Rafa wants, Rafa's mm. more likely to stay. And ultimately, at the moment, that's pretty much all they care about. Absolutely. And Rafa this week, didn't he, said, if I don't get a couple of players, I'll be leaving in the summer. Put a bit of pressure on Mike Ashley and has delivered. Almiron's a quality player, Rebecca. 24 years of age, good age. South American, got a good work ethic. Two-star MLS All-Star, so in the, the team of the year in MLS. 
All-Star, um, won the MLS Cup last season with Atlanta. He's a lefty. He's quick. He's pacey. He doesn't mind digging in, can play anywhere underneath the, the main striker, so under Solomon Rondon. And if I wanted to give the, the Newcastle fans something to think about, and I once said Breck Shea was a poor man's Gareth Bale, Almiron could be a poor man's David Ginola. He's that kind of player that could really excite the tune if he, if he starts well. Well, from, the, from their perspective, I hope you're right. Um, Rafa Benitez <clears throat> took them to 10th last season. They've been struggling against relegation, but they look like they're heading towards safety. What do you think right now are the chances he stays? Because his contract's up in the summer. Wow. Um, it's so difficult to tell. I think if Mike Ashley doesn't sell the club in the summer, he'll go. I think he'll go. I think he's, he's done a, a tremendous job there to stay with it, to keep them in the division. I, look, I think he's going to do it again this season. Um, but I think from his point of view, he, c he could get a lot of jobs in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it, that's, a, that's a way off. This is a good signing. And I'm so excited to see how this kid's going to do. Because he's a quality footballer, but it's just the difference of that speed and intensity of the Premier League that's tripped up so many from all over the world. And that's one thing that almost every player says about the Premier League. It's more physical, it's more intense than any other league. And that's a lot of other big leagues as well. So if he can get used to that um, and is strong enough to handle that at a team that's struggling, a team that won't have that much possession like he did at Atlanta, then, then he's going to be a fantastic acquisition. And if he comes through that, then he could have a good, good career in the Premier League. Kyle, is getting used to the speed of the Premier League, can he do that in training? Or does that only come from playing games? That comes from playing games. Uh, trainings, you, can, you can do your best to mimic what a game is, and trainings never live up to that. Um, the, the tough part will be getting to the chemistry of the team quickly. I mean, that's going to be important. And, and Rafa knowing him for a while, the, the character of this player, I think, is what Rafa's so excited about. Because Rabiro talked about his quality. And, and he can take you on. He's quick in transition. He's great off the dribble. He can, he can uh, play a pass. He's got great vision. He's got great, great composure. But he'll do a job. And Rafa Benitez needed to know he'll do a job. Now, Murphy leaving means he'll do a job probably off the left. And there are back three these days, so maybe out on the wing, but can also play in underneath as a playmaker. So he's versatile, he's hardworking, and, and he's a playmaker, and just, I love it. Just, is he better than Kennedy, This came on the left-hand side, hasn't really done it? Matt Ritchie? Perez. Uh, Perez, Atsu, mm. Christian Atsu from Chelsea. So Thank there's you. lots of other He's better players. than some of those. Yeah. I, I think, you know, he's got to show that he's better than all of those to be a more effective player. Yedlin there might just help him as well. He's played MLS and, and yeah. knows it. Might yeah. just be a mate who can, can help him along. Just before we get to Brighton, our colleagues at Sky Sports are reporting that the deal to take Michi Batshuayi from Chelsea on loan to Crystal Palace until the end of the season has been made official. Sky Sports reporting that. We haven't yet got confirmation from either Chelsea or Crystal Palace or the Premier League. If we get that, we'll bring that to you straight away. Let's talk Brighton and Hope Albion, a team that, well, they haven't brought anybody in. They've let a couple of players go out on loan, but it's a team that very much, Kyle, sort of flies under the radar because, as we've talked about many a time, Chris Hewton doesn't grab headlines in his manner. His team don't really grab headlines. They're just sort of muddling along. Is that fair? I think it's... it's it's, it's not fair because it's more than that. You know, it's, it's funny. What he delivers and, and the lack of accolades he gets, I feel bad for him because partly he's so likable. And we got a chance to meet with him. We, we talked with all the managers and, and we mentioned Nuno earlier. Uh, from the moment we came in, the, the, the eye contact, the handshake, everything about him is respectful, meaning I just want to give it back to you. And so continuity is everything for Brighton. I'm not surprised they didn't make any changes. He likes to keep a team together that understands the game plan and what they want to do, and it's working again. 
Rob? The thing he talked about when we when met him in the summer was that he, he's a bit low to make too many changes because he said you never know the personalities you're buying. If you buy one or two bad ones, it can affect everything. And he knows with this Brighton team, they're not yet in a position where we're definitely in the Premier League each year and now we can think about what we're going to do. It's still a challenge for them and the stability and just knowing his group is so, so important. Yeah, I, I just think a lot of new players came in in, in the mm. summer for Brighton yeah. and it took a long time. I kept watching. When these guys going to come in, it took a long time. Just only in the last month or so, you start to see these players yeah. come in. So no surprise they don't want any more. Andoni, Lucardi, Bernardo, players that can make Brighton better and we're just starting to see their effect in the team right now. So you're right, Chris mm. Hewton's so sensitive about bringing players in that, that might just mess them up. Yeah, well, they're sitting in 13th place, well clear of the drop zone, seven points above that drop zone. Still to come on our deadline day special, it looks like Steve Parrish and Palace have got their man, a Chelsea striker, through the door. Charlie Austin wanted out of the Saints but didn't make it. Peter Crouch, a Premier League player again. some honesty in your next question mark i think you're going to deliver rebecca <laughs> if you had to give a red card yeah. to one of the three analysts who would it be <laughs> and why <laughs> well out of kyle and the two robbies um oh my god i mean would it be okay to give a red card to all three of them no no okay no. so i have to get pick out. this is so get mean out. this is the question i always kind of get about these three um I'm going to give one to Robbie Earl. Oh, controversial. Shock, shock, you know shock. why? Because like, we were saying earlier, we think that there's a mystery about Robbie Earl, <laughs> that, that, that we don't know if we fully know the real Robbie Earl. So I'm going to give him a red and just get him out. Like it, yeah. Yeah, like it. yeah. Must be must be 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 so much. I always say, I could easily give it to you, Musty, as well, to be fair. A reminder, so much more Premier League content on our NBC Sports YouTube channel. Channel, We have a lot of fun. You can watch the latest episodes of both of our original series. My show, The Lowdown, and Inside the Mind. For those who are just joining us, what has happened on this deadline day? Mishi Bakshuayi has joined Crystal Palace from Chelsea, acquired on loan. Yannick Balassi out of Everton to Anderlecht in Belgium, also on loan. That one came a little bit out of left field. Jacob Murphy has been loaned to West Brom from Newcastle United, who of course today brought in Miguel Almiron and Harvard Nortbait, acquired by Fulham on loan from Hoffenheim. Apparently Fulham are still very busy trying to get paperwork over the line, including for the likes of Lazar Markovic from Liverpool. Let us take you back to our colleagues at Sky Sports who a short time ago discussed their best deals of the day. Who did some standout business for you? Is there one club that did a fair bit of standout business late on? It will be Palace if they get back sure over the be, line. Yes, I think it'll be Palace because of, of his pedigree and the and the fact that they're filling the position that they're very short on this year, which is goals, like you I mean. So if yeah. they pull that one that one off then who knows from the lads from abroad how well they'll do yeah. straight away. I mean this is a big ask. I have experienced this before in my position. You you Keep your fingers crossed when you bring, bring players in from abroad in January and hope they hit the ground running. And, and I've certainly been, uh, or, or had some good fortune in my time uh, because most of the players that I've done that with have hit the ground running and helped get the club out of trouble with, with the clubs I've been at recently. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's a big ask. And uh, of course, when you put a player in in January who comes from abroad, the fans expect 
the player to be a success Instantly. almost immediately. immediately. Yeah. And if he isn't, he's a waste of money straight away. And that is a big ask from you as a manager and for that player, having really no time to settle or get used to the environment or the culture he's living in. So it is a massive ask and a big risk. The other side of it is if you're signing a player tonight, it's no medical. You take your chance. Mm. You pay your money, you take well, your chance. It's too late for the medical. too late for the medical. You just have to take your chance and sign him up, and that's it. They'd have had to have done a little bit of homework, though. Well, they'll do they? some I homework mean... and ask for medical records. Yeah, yeah. Doctor, and oversee it and look at it. Yeah. If you'd have had enough time today, you'd have flown some medical staff sometimes into the country where you wanted to. a good to. point, Sam. So, but, yeah. but at this late stage, you're saying, let's go. Shall we sign him? Yeah, let's have a go. I mean, Newcastle. Newcastle will be hopeful, won't they, having broken the transfer yeah. record? And you, the, the lad coming in from the MLS, Almiron, a huge golfing class between the two leagues, but is he that little number 10 who can create a spark, get the fans off the seats? Is he the type of character that St James's Park has been craving? I mean, it, it's a punt, isn't it, at 20 million? It sounds ridiculous, but it is a gamble, even at that kind of price. But it's significant, the very fact that Ashley gave Rafa money. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a timely one as well, with Rafa talking about walking away in the summer and all the rest of it, and now you could argue it's hard for Benitez to, to go because he's been given that money on a player that presumably he wants. Now, what can he do with that player? Well, I think maybe, maybe, and this, this, is, this is just me, maybe, we've seen Mike, Mike saying openly that he wants to sell the club, and buying these players for Rafa saves... Newcastle in the Premier League this year and finally somebody comes along and says I will give you the money you want for Newcastle United so everybody wins all round mm. both Mike, Rafa and the Newcastle fans because mm. obviously they've been very volatile towards Mike for a few seasons now but he's always, he's always said he'd stump the money up on what, what the club earns you know, but that doesn't seem to be enough but this time round maybe for everybody keeps them in the Premier League somebody comes along and buys it Interesting to hear from Sam Allardyce, Alan Smith, along with Haley McQueen and Jim White at Sky Sports HQ. Let's take on Crystal Palace, one of Sam Allardyce's former clubs, of course. Today, bringing in on loan from Chelsea, they needed a striker, Mishi Batshuayi. He adds to a goalkeeper on loan from Sao Paulo, Lucas Perry. And Bakri Sacco has come back again to Crystal Palace on a free from West Brom. He's put out five players, most of them on loan or they've been released. As I said... Michi Batshuayi is needed because these are the leading scorers this season for Palace in the Premier League and there isn't an out-and-out -out striker amongst them. Andros Townsend and Wilfred Zahar both have four goals. Luka Milivojevic, most of those are penalties as well. He has six goals to his name. So, Kyle, Batshuayi isn't prolific from what we've seen of him, but he's a presence. He does, he has done it to an extent with the likes of Chelsea. Are you happy that Palace have signed well? Yeah, they have. Listen, we don't know the exact details, but he improves them, for sure. And does he end up going and scoring 15 goals for the rest of the year? I would think that the jury's still out on that. Um, I love the qualities. I love that now Zaha can play off the left. I love that they can give him reps, and that's what he's desperate for. But, but like Murata, Murata was a very talented player, but never was a starter, had never proved it over the course of a season. And that was one of the big criticisms when he came to Chelsea. Batshuayi is going to face the same thing. If he hasn't really proved it over the balance of a season, so it will be a gamble, but a good one Crystal Palace should have taken. Do you like that Townsend one side, Zaha right. the other, Batshuayi up yeah, top? Absolutely great. I mean, sees uh, them safe from relegation I think now? so, yeah. I mean, he, we don't know if he's going to get a, a, a load of goals, but he's a striker that's got something to prove. 
He's back in the Premier League. He wants to show everybody that he is capable of scoring goals at that level. And also credit to the ownership of Crystal Palace. I mean, this is not a cheap deal to put together in terms of his wages, etc. So, well done, Palace. Um, I think he's going to score goals. I think it works great. That's what Palace have lacked for such a long time. Roy Hodgson will organise everything else defensively. You know, they'll create enough. I think he's going to get goals. Where does it leave Christian Benteco? At at this point, it doesn't matter, Rebecca. At this point, it's about making sure Palace are in the Premier League next season. Then we'll sit down and talk about Benteke and Wickham and Ayu and the rest of them. And in 14 games, Mitchie Batshuayi should be thinking about seven goals for me because every time we see Palace, we see them create chances and we see the guy who's playing at the front of the pitch not putting them in the back of the net. If he can convert chances, not only does he put himself in the shot window, but obviously um, it goes a long way to making sure Palace stay safe. OK, I mentioned it a few moments ago. Lazar Markovic has joined Fulham on a free transfer. So it's permanent from Liverpool. He has signed a deal until the end of the season on a permanent basis. So we'll see how he gets on. Ranieri's very much trying to strengthen his struggling Fulham. We mentioned Mishi Batshuayi. He has been on Twitter, as they all do. I think that means that he has signed for Crystal Palace. Batshuayi getting in with the Eagles. Let's talk about Southampton Football Club, shall we? No one in for Ralph Hassenhurtle so far, or I should say at all now, in this January transfer window. I tell you what, he's been busy getting players out, hasn't he? Trimmed this club. Out has gone Manolo Gabbiadini, Stephen Davis, Wesley Hoot and Cedric Suarez, which was an interesting one, to Inter Milan. Now let's compare how has Ralph Hassenhurtle done since coming in compared to under Mark Hughes and then one game under Kelvin Davis as a caretaker manager. So much better. 14 points from nine under Ralph Hassenhurtle, the Austrian with a much better goal difference as well. And they've gone, they've only gone two places from 18th to 16th, but that's crucial. From 18th in the relegation zone to 16th, it is Ralph Hampton, as they're now being called. He's done a good job. He comes across as a man who knows exactly what he wants to do on the field. And judging from that graphic and off the field as well, he knows exactly what he's doing. Well, the the Southampton fans will hope he knows what he's doing because that's four first-team players he's let go Mm. and none coming in. And he's talked about wanting to have 18 First team players in his squad plus youth team players. Okay, mm. and, and that's good if they all stay fit and stuff. And those young players coming through are great. Then I just think there's an element of risk to this, Rebecca. I think just mm. I just I just do. They're very close to the relegation zone. You know, Fulham got a good victory. Cardiff will continue to fight. They're not safe enough for me to kind of think too much about the future. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's got these players that, that aren't going to help them go into running, but I think it's a risk. He wanted that to be five. He wanted Charlie Austin yeah. out the door as well. That's mm. the other thing. Robbie, <laughs> do you agree it's a bit risky? It is, but perception's everything, Rebecca. Claude Puel, mm, everything we don't like about Claude Puel, Puel we, like, we love in Hasenhurtle, and we'll go with him because so far everything he's done has gone right and he's brought a bit of spirit and a bit of life. It is a gamble. Let me tell you, if Southampton are in the bottom three come the end of the season... People will look at this deadline and say, you took a risk, you let players go, and you didn't need to do it. And he also has clip of the season. With the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you want to know what? I, 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 I do think this is a big risk, and I agree with you. But it, but it tells me he's taking control, and this will be a message to everyone. And if youngsters come into a team, it's a, it's a vibrant you know, injection of young blood that, that does get the 
get the plays buzzing. Now, keeping that going and winning games is different, but these might be personalities that were toxic. I mean, that's kind of what that says to me. Okay. Burnley Football Club, another side who've had a bit of a struggle this season, but are finding their way out of it. They have brought in a man we all know, and let's mm -hmm. be honest, we all love. Peter Crouch has come from Stoke City for an undisclosed fee. He continues a 20-year-plus career uh, now in the Premier League again. Sam Vokes has gone, interestingly, for $9 million on a permanent um, to Stoke City in exchange. This today is how Burnley, on Twitter, announced the arrival of Crouch. Crouch, famous of course for so many things. This one of them, the famous robot dance when he scores a goal that he first did, I think, in an England shirt way back, I want to say, in the build-up to the 2006 World Cup. Let's hear from the new claret, Peter Crouch. Uh, I feel like the, sort of, the older I get, the more, the more, even more hungry I get because you can sort of see the end or, or you know, with your age. And, you know, I still feel fit. I still, I train every single day. You know, I don't do anything that... Uh, I do everything the lads do, um, and I want to be involved in every single game. My injury record has been very good, touch wood. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hungry, and I'm, you know I've got a will to to succeed and and hopefully prove people wrong. I feel like I've been proving people wrong mm. my whole career, so um, you know that won't change. Um, and I still love it. And the moment I stop enjoying it is the moment to to knock it on the head. So I'll be uh, I'll be doing as well as I can uh, this year, and and who knows after that. Peter Crouch turned 38 years old yesterday. Neil Ashton, is that the most Burnley Football Club signing ever? Yeah, it's an amazing sign, and it's great to see him back in the Premier League, isn't it? He's such a, you mentioned, Rebecca, just what a popular character he's been throughout the years. You know, go back to his career, the start of his career in the Premier League, clubs like Tottenham, Southampton, Portsmouth, he's at uh, Aston Villa, Southampton. Amazing career that he's had. Now he gets the opportunity to see out the final year or so as a Premier League footballer. Sean Dyche, this is someone that Sean Dyche has wanted for a long time, been tracking him for the last couple of years, didn't really believe or think that he'd get the opportunity to sign him. But of course, it all came about today because of Sam Vokes' transfer away from Turf Moor, and he had the opportunity to bring in uh, Peter Crouch for these final five months of the season just to try to. To steady the ship at Burnley a little bit, just to give them add that little bit of English influence. The experience, of course, that Peter Crouch has got as a Premier League footballer. You mentioned his England career. Go back to 2006, the World Cup, and we all fell in love with Peter Crouch. Well, Burnley fans get the opportunity now. They can fall in love with Peter Crouch. Dyche sees him as an impact player at the beginning, coming off the bench at Burnley, a substitute, but can he force his way into the team at the age of 38? Crouch, he clearly fancies the opportunity to do it. He believes he can do it. Neil, you've been brilliant. We hope you haven't had too many missed calls and missed out on too many scoops while you've been committed to us for our deadline day special. <laughs> Thank you so much. Safe journey home. We'll speak to you soon. Pleasure, Rebecca.
Lots yep, of insight. Soon, Absolutely you. brilliant, as ever, from our very own Neil Ashton. Peter Crouch, mm. 38 years old, as I said, and he said there in his interview, he does what everyone else does. Yeah. He's kept himself very fit. His injury record is really good. He is the ultimate professional, isn't he, Peter Crouch? Absolutely. And I know people at Stoke City, Rebecca, who, who talk so highly of him that this signing isn't just about what he does on the pitch. And he will bring something to Burnley, even if it's the last 15 minutes off the bench. What Sean Dyche knows is what we call a good egg. You've got somebody around the football club who will keep hold of players, make things, things are right in the dressing room. Just in, in case they, they fall into a bit of trouble, Peter Crouch will play his part. It's good business as well, by the way. Some folks frustrated not playing, what's it, $8 million? $9 million. $9 million. Mm. I mean, that's, that's not a huge fee, but that's $9 million for Burnley Football Club. And Peter Crouch, you know, perfect guy off the bench, Late on in games, he's going to go in the box, he's going to nod it down to, for others to score, probably. I think it's a good bit of business. It says a lot about him that at the age of 38, he is still wanted off the field as well as on the field. I'm 37. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been sitting you. here for a long time. Nobody, Nobody wants, wants you. Uh, you know, what I love about him, and, and, and in the modern day you see it more, but when players go back to their old clubs, they get booed, you know, they, 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 the fans give them a little bit of stick. Peter Crouch probably has more old clubs than anyone, mm -hmm. and every club he goes back to, he gets he gets applauded. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that goes to show you who he is and what he can be for your club. If he doesn't play a minute, he makes them better, and 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 he will play. And I honestly think they're getting back to the basics. They're starting with that direct style. They're they're not trying to get back into games or, or win games at the end that way. So yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great business. He also has a brilliant podcast and mm. he's brilliant to follow on social media mm. as well. Highly recommend that. The new claret that is Peter <clears throat> Crouch. Back here on Deadline Day next. The strugglers and the stragglers of the Premier League. The basement dwellers. What have they done this month and what's their outlook? Cardiff, Fulham and Huddersfield coming up next. Time to turn our attention to those struggling to avoid the drop. Huddersfield, Fulham and Cardiff City are occupying the bottom three and there is a gap between Cardiff in 18th and safety, which is Burnley right now, in uh, 17th. Four points is the gap as of now. 12 points are Huddersfield away from safety. Pretty much, you have to say, gone. Uh, they have their new manager, Jan Ziebert, who's come in from the Borussia Dortmund 2. He's brought a couple of players on. He hasn't brought these in. These players came in before he actually came to the club. Two in this uh, January. Three have gone out. It's been a terrible season for Huddersfield Football Club. Having retained their Premier League status so well last season, it is the third worst ever start to a Premier League season. And of course, those around them in that company, there on that graphic, either either finished last or were relegated. And that, Robbie Musto, is the direction they're heading in. So Jan Zivert, they have to hope, is a manager who can come in, rebuild, and pop them straight back up next season. I guess so. I mean, I'm still disappointed that, that it's, it's just the club have given up. The manager couldn't continue with the club, didn't want to continue with the fight. I know the point situation right now looks almost impossible, like a miracle situation to get them up. But like with 14 games to go, we're talking about them for the next season, aren't we? And I just think that's disappointing. If I'm a fan of theirs, I'm disappointed. We didn't give it a good enough go this season. This new manager, so, so little on his resume in terms of management. We know that, that, that Dortmund has a, has a record of producer managers that have come to England and done very, very well. But Zivert, who knows how he's going to do. I guess it's all about planning for next season. Is it a strange appointment for you? Yes, because if you realised the situation they're in, we're, we're talking about them going down and somebody to, to bring back up. 
Go and find one of those guys who knows the championship, who knows the league, who can sort out. I mean, this is a really difficult job for the first guy's job in English football. And the problem for me with Becker is that we kind of go, you know, premiership team get relegated and then they pop back up. What if a premiership team get relegated and we don't pop back up, pop back up for the next 10 years? That's what could have happened to us. We haven't seen it. It's the first time we saw them in the Premier League. It might be a long time that they've, Stoke City couldn't get back up and they've got a better squad than Huddersfield. You'd think Dean Hall, the owner of uh, Huddersfield, has done serious homework on this guy. Because when we first heard the news, a lot of us, OK, all of us, were... <laughs> who? Yeah. Um, the relationship goes back a couple of years. So, so yeah, th this isn't out of left field for them. Um, the tough part is... Wagner working from, from that position, from not having a first-team job, that, that's rare. I mean, that was a rare thing. To be able to do it again and hope this guy's the same is lightning striking twice. And so I just look at it, and I, and I think it is, a bit, it is a bit of a gamble, but also you forget last year there were a, a, an incredible local save away from being mm. relegated. I mean, they, they barely survived. There were two teams that got relegated that had better goal differential than they've had. Yeah, so it's going to be tough. It is tough, though. They are 12 points from safety, as I say. Fulham are six points from safety. They have been very busy, haven't they? The busiest, really, today, you have to say. They already had Ryan Babel, who came in from Besiktas, former Liverpool player. Today on loan, former West Ham player Havard Nortveit and Lazar Markovic, which was confirmed in the last 30 minutes, out has gone the troublesome Abubakar Kamara uh, and Stefan Johansson has gone to West Bromwich Albion on loan today. So that's who they added this window and it adds to an entire new squad that they brought in. Um, under Slavisha Jokanovic, who got them promoted last season, this is the money they spent last summer. They're not shy of spending money. The problem, Robbie Earl, comes... Mm. With, if this doesn't work, yeah. financially, it's a disaster, isn't it? Yeah. This is a gamble, Rebecca, a huge gamble. You can, you can sign too many players, too many loans where people don't have ownership of it. I'm, I'm on loan. If it doesn't go, I'll go back to my own club. My big problem with Fulham is, and again, we've seen the signing that Markovic has come in, is lots of forwards. This team can score goals. But the problem, the reason if they get relegated, they've conceded 53 already. Defensively, they are so poor... Claudio Ranier, I'm really surprised he hasn't gone and found a centre-back. You know, Kale would have been perfect just to plug in there and, and block some of the goals that they're leaking. But we saw them go down 2-0 against Brighton at Craven Cottage on Tuesday, come back and score four goals, as you said. Mm. They can score goals. If they do that every week, they'll be fine. Well, they, the, in that list are some talented players, um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. If you go back and look over the past uh, several seasons... The biggest spender of the newly promoted sides tends to get relegated. You create so much confusion and you disrupt chemistry so badly that it's hard to get back to the basics. And I think that's what Fulham are struggling with. Jukanovic kind of lost the plot and it didn't look anything like they looked when they came up and he couldn't find it again. I think Ranieri's struggling with the same issue. You agree? Too many changes. Yeah. Too many changes. Happened to my old team, Middlesbrough. My son, who's a big Middlesbrough fan, was all excited. All these players are coming into the team. And I said, son... I'm not sure any of these are going to be good enough for the Premier League, and that's the issue. You split from what happened the season before and what worked for them, and on this gamble that all these new players are Premier League quality and will show everybody, well, they haven't. Do you think with the businesses done today, they stand a better chance, though? I, I think so. I mean, today, Babel's good and Markovic, you know, creative. At least they're fighting, Rebecca. Well, that's the point with you don't, At least they're you, fighting to stay well, in the You league. don't outscore your way of a relegation battle, Rebecca. You have to tighten things up at the back mm. and win 1-2-0. and OK, let's move on to Cardiff City, shall we? Third from bottom. They're ins and outs. Today they're 
did manage to bring a player in. You'll remember the name from his Aston Villa days, no doubt, a few years ago. He's come from Reading, Leandro Bakuna, for $4 million. They've brought in Umani Atu, who has been playing for them on loan uh, from Everton, and out has gone Gary Bedeen to Sheffield United. Now, one other player Cardiff signed this month is, of course, Emiliano Sala. Ten days ago, a plane carrying Sala, who was en route to his new club, and the pilot, David Ibbotson, went missing over the English Channel. As you can see, flowers, shirts and scarves have been laid outside Cardiff City Stadium in tribute to Salah, with one banner reading, we never saw you play and never saw you score, but Emiliano, our beautiful bluebird, we will love you forevermore. Salah's former club, Nantes, in France, also paid their respects yesterday in what was their first game since he went missing. Salah wore the number nine shirt for the club, so these were the scenes when the clock hit nine minutes. tragedy that has certainly shaken up the whole world of football. We heard from the Cardiff City manager who'd just signed this record signing, this striker uh, for his club to try and stay in the Premier League. And in the last week, he admitted, Neil Warnock, yeah. who's 70 years old and has been around a bit, um, that he even considered thinking, you know, I think I'm done in the game because it's that much of a tough situation to have to manage a football club and deal with such grief and try to do the job. I don't think I've ever seen him so emotional with Baka, and he was talking, you know, he was transparent with, with his words, you could see straight through him, in that he, he was really challenged about staying in the game. This is a guy who's been a manager for 40 years, who sleeps, eats and breathes football, was talking about maybe having to walk away. And in a time when we talk about, you know, disaster if we get relegated, and disaster yeah. if we don't win a game, it puts it all into context in terms of football pales into insignificance to what's happened to Salah. It totally does, doesn't it, Kyle? I mean, how Cardiff City players, manager, fans are even supposed to bother with the rest of the season in some ways? Um, how, how you get through and, and, and how they move on is because the game's beautiful like that. I mean, it, it is something that lifts spirits and, and that, that scene was absolutely incredible. And... The toughest part of this is the hope that, that a family has that, that they'll, they'll, they'll find these uh, two people that, that went, went, went missing on the way to one of the most amazing moments ever. I mean, the dream of getting this big move. And so, you know, the, the game's weird like that. We feel protected from all the things that are outside in the world that are scary, that are dangerous, that are sad. And when they get inside the game, you kind of don't know what to do. It, it paralyzes you a little bit. And it's just, it's so tragic and so sad. And... You know, you, you, you hope for the good news, but you know that it's, it's unlikely you get some. Robbie, it's been a season of tragedy, actually, in the English Premier League. Your thoughts on, on the situation facing well, Cardiff? I can only imagine how, how hard it's going to be for those players to, to, to get up for the fight. I guess with Neil Warnock, you know, the experience that he has and the fighter that he is, he'll get the players back on board. He's, he's said that they're struggling to deal with it, the players in the dressing room. So they've all got to get up. They've all got to continue. They've all got to fight. 
they're trying to do something with the transfer business. They've got uh, Umar Nias as a centre-forward to try and add goals. They've got to be positive, Rebecca. We all know it's incredibly difficult, but him and that team have got to try and fight their very best. They're four points from safety, 14 games remaining. They've got to try and stay in the league. And we must say again, our thoughts of everybody here at NBC Sports remain with the families of David Ibbotson and Emiliano Sala. We're back in just a moment. Don't forget, download the NBC Sports Predictor app and play Premier League Pick'em ahead of our next contest on Saturday. It's nothing to lose because it's totally free to play and you might win. We are waiting on our first ever $50,000 grand prize winner, but you can also win $5,000 in prizes each week. Here are the five games you will need to predict this weekend. We need the outcomes of... The 10 Eastern game, Chelsea against Huddersfield. The 12.30 Eastern game on NBC, Cardiff-Bournemouth. Uh, Sunday morning's 5 past 9 kickoff at the KP between Leicester and Manchester United. Then the big one at the Etihad between City and Arsenal. And then Monday afternoon football, West Ham against Liverpool. Correctly predict the exact scoreline of those five and you're eligible for 50 thousand dollars as we always do on our deadline day special show we get towards the end we have to revisit some predictions <laughs> from my knee-jerky friends uh, here in the studio we're going to talk relegation situation and the three of them are very boring and they've taken the easy option because carl martino you've all gone for the three that are sitting in there right now so you don't give hope to even can't it well in any of them well if we're wrong we're wrong together we're a <laughs> You know, I, I, uh, I look at the clubs that are in the relegation battle now, and I haven't changed. I, I, I see Cardiff coming into the season was everyone's favorite to get relegated, and, and they are the lowest quality team of, of the 20. And so Huddersfield, I, I said before, barely survived last year, and I knew it was going to be an issue again. Fulham was the only surprise throwing it in for me because all the money they spent and uh, and how good they were and how dominant they were in the championship. It's just who gets dragged into mm. that is kind of the bigger question. If you take it that Huddersfield have gone, yeah. Cardiff seem to have a lot of fight. A little bit of fight. Fulham mm. maybe have the money and the and the sheer quantity of players. They've got some goals. Got some goals, but, but they're, they're leaking goals. goals. So who do you give the most chance to survive, Cardiff or Fulham? Cardiff for the fight. And yeah. Ralph Hampton might be the team. <laughs> that, that might come to nobody <laughs> in. Four experienced players out the door today is a gamble. So, yeah, so Southampton I had at the start of the season to get relegated. Mm. And I don't know whether I should have switched them out for Fulham, just, just given how they've struggled with all the new players, et cetera, et cetera. But you're right, Southampton, mm. with what they've done in the, in the market, letting good players go and bringing nobody in, they're still on the borderline mm. for me. Do you see any team, another team other than Southampton, that might suddenly drop? Do you see a Bournemouth or do you see a West Ham? Or anyone no, that might sink quality. towards the too danger. Much. Palace getting the striker was so, so important. Burnley should be okay. huge for them now. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's talk top four predictions then. And the only person who I'm certain has changed his prediction from the start of the season, Robbie Earl, is now going for Liverpool to win the league. Uh, everyone's got oh, Manchester United in the top four. Yeah, I, I mean, that's my big one. I'm on the Oli Express. United are, are back in four <laughs> spot. I'm on, all over it. Okay. Um, Carl, you did have Liverpool, to be fair, start the season to win the league. As did you, Rebecca. Thing. Okay, <laughs> you don't have to, you two. Okay, you're sticking with that, obviously. And Manchester United, you're thinking as well, Bucky. Well, so uh, the current top four is the top four I had before the season in that order. And, and Arsenal, with the injuries they have and the issues they have, and United on this big uptick, I just have United kind of moving in and taking them out. My, mine are the same as pre-season, though I admit I'm a bit worried about City for the time. <laughs> but you are I'm sticking. Not sticking. I'm not giving sticking. I'm not admitting I'm wrong. All right, so you've still got City to win the league. Yeah. Okay, we shall see, gentlemen. <laughs> 
Thank you for that. A reminder of some deals that have been done today as it has been the final day in this January transfer window. Lazar Markovic, remember him? He has gone uh, to Fulham on a free transfer from Liverpool. The former West Ham player, Avard Nortveit, has been bought by Fulham or brought in by Fulham on loan from Hoffenheim. Leandro Bakun has gone to Cardiff from Reading for $4 million. Who else have we got? And Yuri Tillemans has been acquired by Leicester in a loan swap that sees Adrian Silva go to Monaco. But the biggest news... First of all, the $27 million signing of Miguel Almiron from Atlanta United to Newcastle United. He is now on Tyneside. How will he settle in? What about this man, Denis Suarez? He's coming on loan from Barcelona to reunite with Unai Emery at Arsenal, on loan with an option to buy. Anthony Martial's going nowhere for five years. He signed a brand-new contract with Manchester United today, thanking specifically Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in his statement. And breaking in the last hour, confirmed Crystal Palace have brought them themselves in a striker they desperately needed him Michi Bitbatshuayi from Chelsea back in a tick We are back to the action this coming Saturday on NBCSN from 7 Eastern. Premier League mornings builds up to Tottenham against Newcastle. Following that, it's Chelsea Huddersfield and on NBC at 12.30, Cardiff against Bournemouth. Goal zone, as always, wraps up your day. It's a super day of football this Sunday, 8 Eastern. We begin ahead of Leicester City against Manchester United. And then following that one at half past 11, how about that for your Sunday morning brunch? Manchester City taking on Arsenal. Pep Guardiola and Unai Emery can City start to close that five-point gap on Liverpool because Liverpool don't play until Monday afternoon football. They have to go to East London. Premier League Live will get going at two o'clock ahead of West Ham against Liverpool. The men and Blazers will be at half past five and a rearranged game addition for your calendar. Everton Man City on Wednesday at 2.30. But that is all from us as another deadline day is done and dusted. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. A massive thank you to all of our colleagues at Sky Sports for collaborating with us throughout the day. Make sure to visit NBCSports.com for a complete wrap-up of the entire transfer window and to get any late news that you never know may break overnight. So the last chance then for clubs to strengthen their squads has passed. It is now all eyes at the top of the table for a potentially historic title race. Who'll come up trumps in May? Tune in to find out from all of us here at NBC. Bye for now. We'll see you Saturday at 7 o'clock. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.